What is going on, everybody? It is another episode, episode 36 of <coughs> Pop Culture Crisis, and Miracle is already coughing today. I died. And speaking of my co-host, introduce yourself, young lady. Hello, Miracle Sam. Nice to meet you. And also, we have our favorite guest here, who's finally escaped from babies. Yes. Yes, that's Intr- right. Introduce yourself, sir. Yes, Chris Carr, the executive editor at TimCast.com, except for this month. We I'm are on parental leave. Yes, we're, we're big on labels. When Hannah Claire was here, she's like, uh, I, what did she say? She is the head writer. Head writer. One so time she- I heard her say she was the senior reporter. Which was very monocle and mustache. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yes, yes, I'm a senior reporter here. Yes, 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 yes. You could say that I, uh, I hold a bit of stature here, yes. yes. Well, she, she kind of is. Because, She's prolific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you and Cassandra are out, basically it's Hannah Claire holding down the fort. That's true. Mm-hmm. So do we have like a flow chart somewhere with like a, a description of who goes where, uh, depending on who's gone? That's exactly right. Yeah, That's well, we, we hashed it out in the newsroom and uh, Cassandra was kind enough to step in and uh, do what I usually do. That yeah. Is, so. That is good. Yeah. So we got like a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Um, we had a bunch of stuff happen here last night, so it's all kind of hectic. Uh, but we're going to talk about Eminem and the fruitless attempts from Miracle's generation of, uh, of misfits. To, I like him. I grew up on him. Uh, so, But Miracle's generation of misfits have been trying to cancel Eminem for some time now. I thought this uh, response track that he made, it's not even a response track. He just has like a, a specific verse in this, like a, a specific line in the song that tends to call them out. We're going to talk about uh, Britney Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears because mm-hmm. uh, we, we cover this a lot. We cover Kanye. We cover Britney Spears. Uh, and I, as, I have more philosophical takes on these things than the average gossip person because it makes me ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. about what's going on in the world. Uh, but we're also going to talk about this incredible article related to uh, the return of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, it's just called Bel-Air now, and it's, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, a gritty reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but there's this amazing article about Uncle Phil, and it's going to make... Uh, because he's skinny. It's going to make guys everywhere very happy to see this article. We're fighting back. Uh, we're going to talk, <laughs> uh, we're going to put some time into talking about Joss Whedon. There's not enough time in the day to talk about uh, how badly this dude's career has, in, has uh, sort of imploded in the last six to eight months so mm-hmm. we're going to get into that and then podluck we're going to talk uh jake paul and mike tyson rumors that would actually be a lot of fun to see uh there's some uh stuff going on with miss marvel uh the upcoming uh disney plus show uh movie mm-hmm. excuse me uh with reshoots and everything surrounding that and what that means because it's a little bit different than your average um uh, bump in the road for a production like this. And then uh, Antonio Brown and the fact that uh, TMZ did a journalism. So yep. we will talk about that. They did it oopsie daisy. Before we get started, um, did you, you get a chance to look at all these? What one did you think was the most interesting? I mean, well, it, it, both of the ones that stood out to me were the ones that kind of connected to seminal experiences in my childhood in terms of pop culture, which is the Fresh Prince reboot and the current take on that, especially with you know the new casting of Uncle mm. Phil and also uh, Eminem. Of yes. course. I mean, Eminem was like a, a central. Eminem and Fresh Prince were central figures in yes. my adolescence. I, I'd say very. Uh, for as re- Miracle saying she grew up on Eminem, I don't think yeah. she actually no, understands it, what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did. I knew what you meant, though. Yeah. She, she grew up in like the the. He was already 
his most violent lyrics were behind him already at mm-hmm. that point or not most violent his most uh, objectionable material had already been spewed by that point that's just why the discussion's so funny well more specifically you didn't come home from school and watch trl and nope. see my name is like hitting number one day after day well and he i was remember like, that song yeah oh yeah of course of course yeah okay then let's just get right into it let's just get right into eminem uh this article is from lad bible who is a uh, uh, very good is finding stuff like this which I find very interesting uh, it's a little bit more obscure as far as the topic references not everything is the Kardashians mm-hmm. uh, in Kanye West as interesting as they may be it says um, Eminem responds to Gen Z, Gen Z attempt to cancel him in new song Eminem has responded to Gen Z's attempts to cancel him in a new track. The 49-year-old is widely regarded as one of the best rappers of all time, but the younger generation has been spearheading a movement to remove him from the mainstream, taking umbrage. Ooh, good use of umbrage. Mm -hmm. Their lad Bible's Irish, right? I I believe so. Umbrage is perfect for that. Uh, Taking umbrage with lyrics which have been deemed homophobic, misogynistic, and violent. They're absolutely 110% right. Very many of his lyrics were homophobic, misogynistic, and absolutely violent. Yep. Uh, I would call him, uh, because you're, you're how old? Uh, I have to check with my wife. I'm not sure. You're not sure how old 30, you are? 37. 37. 30s, so, late 30s. So you're, you're, at the, you're at the cusp of Gen X. Uh, right? Yes, yes. I, I feel like I grew up Gen X, but I'm actually, in fact, a millennial. Yes, he, it turns he, out. I would say that he is even more of a a, a figure to Gen X than to mm. to our Gen. Like we, when I was listening to him, I'm 35. Uh, I was on the younger side, but you know, he would have spoken to my brother's high school years. Mm-hmm. Oh extremely, yeah, extremely, extremely uh, heavily. Yeah, right. So I, I think it was middle school for me, like yeah. seventh grade. Like mm-hmm. that's the perfect time, you know. <laughs> you're you're angry, you're angsty, you've yeah. got all this pent up rage, and you don't know what it, what's causing it. It's hormones. Yes. Uh, but yeah. As, so. as, Ni- as Nietzsche once said, uh, at the <laughs> age of thirteen, when you have half God in your heart and half childish trifles. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Eminem should use that in a song. <laughs> but the rapper, na- real name Marshall Mathers, seems unperturbed by all this. He features in a verse on his new mix of Corday's Parables, and he took the opportunity to snap back at Gen Z. In his first music of the year, Eminem raps, quote, whipped Gen Z into a frenzy, but no, <laughs> but no give is in me. I'm stingy, and that is this mother effing difference between them and me. He's absolutely right. Um, what's funny about it is he's kind of made a career off pissing people off. Um, and it kind of makes him, in a lot of ways, uncancelable. What I'd like to know is whether how many of his old like I was I played um, Sarah who works mm-hmm. here. She's uh, she's younger than Miracle, uh, and so she she knows who Eminem is. She's listened to Eminem, but I don't think she'd ever heard uh, the Slim Shady LP or the Marsh or most of the Marshall Mathers LP. And I played her Drug Ballad and. Uh, <laughs> And my fault, mm-hmm. uh, and all these oh. songs that have so much vile stuff in there. But uh, there was something about the way the art was spun back then that you didn't. Maybe it's the separation of uh, so. It's the way that social media has bridged the gap between artist and art and uh, and consumer. Yeah. Back then, it felt more like art. Now it feels like you're talking when, when they make a song. It has to be some uh, extremely serious, extremely um, literal take on something. Whereas back then, art was art, and you listened to an album and you and you took it as a piece of art. Whereas today, I feel like everything's made to be seen as a declaration of something. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, yeah. So when people make song lyrics now, you can't joke. You can't make sarcastic comments anymore because they will take it as uh, you saying that for a fact and you and that being true. It has to either be your character to be sarcastic 
and and like that all the time you can't there's no room for nuance because people won't ever allow you to have that level of uh uh of room between art and and actual spoken word like yeah. what you mean there is one exception just one that i can think of and this is why i just love this uh, rap artist so much the baby who is also you know there was yep. a really mm-hmm. powerful attempt to cancel him not long ago but he he's the one that comes closest to being able to actually be that to re, to strive for that pure art form for mm-hmm. what he does mm-hmm. um and, and, and in, in that way he kind of reminds me of eminem mm-hmm. you know um but uh but other than that yeah that's not really allowed or people aren't doing it and the 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 myth behind the artist is gone now because there's no mystery anymore. There's no there there is no uh, separation. That's why I, I feel like legacy artists are are dumb to have social media at least mm-hmm. to use it uh, like a normal person would use it. Yeah. Use it to make announcements. Use it to make a release for albums, uh, but don't use it in any other form because it's just uh, you're walking a minefield that's constantly getting you into trouble. Yeah, like Twitter is the most joyless place on the face of the earth. It really is. <laughs> Like, I can't use it. I, I cannot use it. I, I will uh, look at certain stuff that people, like, send me, like, look at this tweet. But I go five, I go five uh, clicks down on the responses, and I just want to go. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I can't do it anymore. So it's a, it's a cesspool of unhappiness and childish behavior. So uh, to to think that gen, you know your generation, and this was mostly from TikTok, right? Yeah. The people that were trying to cancel them, and it was a the funny part being it was over the song, "Love the Way You Lie." Yeah, because um, the lyrics that they're complaining about is if she ever tries to fucking leave again, I'm gonna tie her t- to the bed and set the. F- house on fire and they said hashtag cancel NNM just like the tamest thing you cracks me up yeah yeah, yeah. For real. especially compared to everything that was on the Slim Shady album. yeah exactly like the album cover is literally him dumping his dead uh, his dead wife his daughter's uh, mother's body into a river or into mm-hmm. a lake well have you heard the song where it features Ed Sheeran where it's like um, it's called River and basically he's like apologizing for being a terrible husband and he balances a lot of it out yeah. with making more heart like uh um we as america have you ever heard we as americans yeah mm, maybe the greatest probably. eminem song ever it's about uh it's about not having the right to carry a weapon with a felony he literally <laughs> sounds like a constitutional lawyer <laughs> in the song like so i get this i i have this like great like fanfic that on the weekends he wears a suit and he just and he's actually like <laughs> he's, he's a, a lawyer. lawyer he's like a pro bono <laughs> lawyer for civil rights cases on the weekends was this late eminem how did no, i miss this song? was uh what was the third album after uh um after the marshall mathers lp uh oh, i can't remember hold on um uh, encore. Uh, okay. It was it was it was a UK only release oh, okay. on Encore, I believe, okay. and uh, it's really funny because the whole thing is about it's literally about uh, police pulling him over. Hmm. Uh, and he's like, "What am I supposed to fight with bare palms? Like, it, <laughs> like they come in with bomb. They come in with bombs. We come in with flare guns. We as Americans, we as Americans, us as a citizen, gotta protect ourselves. It's really good, wow. but it's just like, and now he's anti two A. Uh, which is funny, but you're allowed to change your positions. That's fine. When you can afford private security and armed security, it's a lot easier to be anti-2A. But I just think it's funny because he's such a he's such a um, a dynamic artist that to have the the thing that people take issue with being such a tame song, mm-hmm. like a Rihanna like guest like a, a Rihanna guest track. Yeah. Like that's just really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're done with this, I'm going to play you. Uh, we, it's really okay. good. Uh, it's really, but uh, yeah. that 
in that whole album, that ha- that album had like Toy Soldiers, another song that's very, very uh, much more emotionally evocative than you'd think. Uh, coming from somebody who makes music about uh, drug overdoses and uh, yeah, well, but, go ahead. No, no, I thought it was funny because after um, after that whole cancellation, he made a diss track saying like responding to it which is called tone deaf and he's like um i can't understand a word you're saying i'm tone deaf i think this way i prefer to stay i'm tone deaf i would would stop even if my hair turns gray i'm tone deaf because they won't stop until i they cancel me mm-hmm. i thought it was like really strong like and then no matter what i think he's a good artist like recently yesterday i was watching youtube shorts where they interview a bunch of rappers saying like the best rapper of this time is in them mm. and like that's a strong general consensus well it's community. like all the new ones like uh fetty wap said it even Wiz khalifa i think also 50 cent he said i really like mm. eminem's music well 50 cent owes eminem his career yeah, that's so. true. That's <laughs> exactly true. That. well uh, my question is at what point was eminem swapped out with the fake eminem are you guys familiar <laughs> with this yes, theory? The are we gonna do theory. that when we finally that's get to all do over the tiktok that's, that's, all, that's all i see on tiktok is just oh. all these like breakdowns of the facial structures mm-hmm. from old eminem and new eminem so maybe he just got swapped I'm, out I'm, you know <laughs> sure he could have had plastic surgery but you know what makes yeah. more sense <laughs> clone He's a clone because I we mean, can't accept it that he turned old. <laughs> yep. Right. And uh, well, I mean, it took me like five years to accept him with brown hair rather than white hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Miracle wasn't even alive, or like was barely alive <laughs> when he had alive. blonde hair. Yes, I was. <laughs> I remember that. That's so, that album came out in like '99, so she was. Yeah. Ba- you were barely alive. Mm-hmm. Barely. But there was a song that I was really shocked that Brett didn't know about. Where Mariah Carey made a diss track about NM and it's called Obsessed, and he never has heard it. And I played it for him, and he's like, This is weird. And I'm like, Watch the music video. And it's like a music, in the whole music video. It looks like the dude from System of a Down. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. It's just a guy that's supposed to be NM, where, like, you remember when he used to wear the hoodies a lot and the caps inside the hoodies? And it's just that guy following her. And then at the end of the music video, basically, he finally takes a picture of her and he gets run over by a bus and she doesn't care Brutal. about it <laughs> and like brett over here was like why is she laughing about this he just got oh, wow. ran over <laughs> so the, but it was a diss track this was another article from like mm-hmm. march uh, about this whole thing it says on friday eminem released an animated lyric video for the 2020 single tone deaf yeah. which appears to be a response to a tiktok campaign to cancel the 48 year old rapper why do they always want to cancel people who are literally so rich they can't be canceled because like, it's funny they they love to they they love to be culture uh, uh, culturally authoritarian. It's uh, it's hilarious. Well, we have a culture right now. I think this is a returning point that I've mentioned a few times before. We have a culture right now that doesn't value or understand artistic endeavors. Nope. And because they're not creators, they're yes. consumers. Yeah. Consumers and like armchair critics when in it, the worst sense. One of the things that I've always is uh, I've been skating for twenty three years, and I don't think I've ever left a negative comment on anyone's because I was uh, at. at when I first started making, when I got noticed and I got picked up by sponsors, it was because I was putting stuff out on YouTube at a time when that was far less common. At that time, what you did was you made sections for full length videos. Uh, You got in good with companies. You went to competitions, but the world was changing. And I said, eventually the videos you're watching, your DVDs, this will be obsolete. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in those comment sections, you had to be very, you had to grow a thick skin (sighs) very fast because people were going to have a lot to say 
uh, about what you do. And unless you can learn to take that criticism, you're going to suffer. But it never encouraged me to want to say the same thing back to people. And I think that's an inherent difference between people who are drawn to creating things and people who are drawn to consuming and degrading things. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that... Uh, Constructive criticism isn't a real thing. It absolutely is. And you can be extremely um, polite and you can be extremely magnanimous in the way you present your criticism to people. But that doesn't, but what doesn't change is that that's a, a personality type is the type of person who's going to armchair expert, armchair quarterback, tell you everything you could have done differently. Uh, but that's not, I tend to find that people who create for a living don't do that as much, mm -hmm. if no, at all. No, they it, don't have the time. Yeah, and, and like when it comes to like filmmakers, or in my experience, when it comes to writers, nobody is more excited for really good writing or really good filmmaking than another writer or another filmmaker, yep. because you know the struggle and you know the the, the time and the effort that it takes, yep. the sweat and blood that it takes to do that kind of stuff. So if you're a rapper, like you were mm -hmm. saying, and you're yeah. just saying Eminem was the best, then yeah. these these guys know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like that falls within the purview of constructive criticism. Well, I feel like this generation because like we're kind of running out of ideas what to create because everything that you think could be possible to be created already is already out there well, most of it already has <clears throat> is just being rehashed in different ways mm -hmm. yeah is, uh, but i feel like they're running out uh, creativity things to run out like again we're gonna bring back the word first world problems mm. i i love basically. that term it was a rallying cry it brought us all together yeah it brought everybody here together in a sense that we've all got it very good here yeah so mm -hmm. basically like people are running out of ideas to talk about because there was like a TikTok video where they said did you guys realize that mufasa got aided by um, all the hyenas and then film theory did a whole theory about it go like hyenas don't eat lions other lions eat other lions hmm. so this theory is kind of wrong yeah but those those mm -hmm. hyenas to be fair in that movie were touched in the head they yeah, probably kinda. they probably ate mufasa they, they probably yeah. had a pre-end disease in their brain mm -hmm. yes but yeah precisely yeah, but it's just funny because like people are running out of ideas so they look at mm. old media like nm song where they're just picking certain things and they don't understand the whole thing if you watch the movie eight mile about him like you kind of see where he progressed mm -hmm. to that level and i don't know for me i feel like like let's just leave him alone mm. you can't like, cancel anyways <clears throat> nnm is a gem that we need to keep alive this mm -hmm. particular clash began in february when a tiktok user <coughs> who has since been who has since been removed from the app uploaded a short clip of the 2010 Eminem and rihanna song love the way you lie mm -hmm. the user called out the line if she ever tries to fucking leave again i'm gonna tie her to the bed and set this house on fire in the text written over the uploaded video the user wrote yes let's cancel him I love when people say cancel culture doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's always the funniest. It says, since then, the initial post has gone viral, launching an age-old debate about the artistic value of Eminem's controversial lyrics. In a time of heightened sensitivity, posts related to the hashtag cancel Eminem hashtag currently have approximately 3 million views as of Monday. A quick scroll through the video indicates that the hashtag has been co commandeered by Eminem fans who are defending the rapper. Many of these fans point out that Eminem has always been controversial and this, uh, in this particular Gen Z campaign is nothing new he's kind of grandfathered in the way south park and always sunny in philadelphia are grandfathered in mm. they're allowed to be controversial and rude because they are from a generation that was already controversial and rude what's funny is watching them try to retroactively uh mm -hmm. like when they tried to like when they got really mad at james gunn for making his creepy tweets back in the 2010s I'm like that was the humor 
mm-hmm. of the time. Right. Yeah. This is something that I think a lot of people in the newer generation doesn't understand, and it's it's a concept that's been debated ever since the the age of Greece. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of catharsis. Okay. Yeah. So it, I remember when you know Eminem, he was he was taking a task even way back earlier in his career oh. for using you know gay slurs. Yeah. And then he had that VMA performance with Elton John, and they held hands, and you know it was just like oh it's all good. I mean, it's just like these people that were upset with Eminem then. Did they not listen to one DMX song? I mean, it was no. just like gay slur after gay slur because it rhymed really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was part of the time. It was, but the thing is, is that when I, when I, from my experience, when I was 13, 14, this, hearing this music, this angry, hilarious, ridiculous, absurd, violent music, it, it, it was a purging experience for me. It was catharsis, you see? Mm-hmm. So you still have these two different sides of the debate because originally it was Plato that said, yeah. no, if you show violence on stage, if you show Oedipus you know, stabbing his eyes out, yeah. then you're going to have people that are going to do this violence. They're mm-hmm. going to see it and they're going to do it. And Aristotle came along and said, no, no, no. The opposite is in fact true. People see that. Yeah. They're purged. They have a catharsis. They see yeah. it and they don't have the, the urge to do it. And I feel like, you know, listening to hip hop music from DMX and Jay-Z and mm-hmm. Eminem and all these great artists, you know, in that formative time in my life was really helpful for me. And we yeah, still have, sure. And we still have these debates. The video game violence debate is still happening. I know. In the, in the 2020s like we're not past it yet it's still somehow going to cause people to uh, to be violent towards other people it yeah. makes no sense well also i just think it's so stupid because i wrote an essay about that in high school you did yeah okay because like i was bored and i didn't know what to write <laughs> and that was one of the options and i was like this doesn't make sense i just i was on the side where i agreed but personally i don't agree because like it doesn't make sense. It's just Wait, was how it debate you, class were you like were you no, forced to take for, that position? No, it was for AP English, and that was the only side you were allowed to take it. That mm. it was that it did cause violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did cause. Wow, that's violence. you're only allowed to take that side. <laughs> yeah, oh. you're that's only some state-mandated bullshit right there. <clears throat> Holy wow. crap! Yeah, so basically, I wrote a whole essay about it. But for me, I feel like it's just the way how a person is and how you raise your kids. That's how it should be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your tax dollars at work here. You're only allowed to take Man, one oh position. Yeah, but it was so stupid because I was like reading the whole thing because I had my friend help me and I was reading it and I'm like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't like this anymore. Good to see the kids thinking for themselves still. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm only 13 years younger than you. Still, but at the time <laughs> you were a kid. That mm-hmm. was what I'm saying. Yeah, this is right. like my senior class, I think. So yeah, I, I just think... Oh, no, um, it was actually my junior class, my junior. bad. Okay. Mm. So uh, I say that Eminem is uncancelable for the time being. Uh, mm-hmm. Outside of like real allegations about something, like he's not... You're not going to get him on his lyrics. Mm-hmm. He's... Uh, like I said, I would love to know what songs he still performs and which ones he doesn't. Um, oh, do you do think he, he's playing that game? Like, that's what I don't know. Do you think that he performs any of the songs off the real... He's made so many hits. He, maybe he was like, if I don't make a bunch of good music... I'm going to get stuck playing these songs that are no longer allowed to be talked about, and then I'm going to have problems. So he's just been lucky enough to make so much good music. Well, not lucky enough. He's talented mm-hmm. enough to have made so much good music that he doesn't have to go back to the well of the Slim Shady LP or the Marshall Mathers LP. He can play the stuff from Encore On, which has less of that stuff, and still give a good performance uh, without drawing the ire of... Now, granted, the people who are mm-hmm. paying money to go to his concert aren't going to be the ones complaining, right, but right. do you think he gets uncomfortable with it? He's obviously, like I said, he's changed his position on 
on gun ownership. How do? And he's clearly not. Uh, uh, he's not uh, anti-gay or anti-anything any, like that. He's mm-hmm. he was clearly making music of the time. Like, mm-hmm. do you think it would make him uncomfortable to have to perform something from a time so. that he no longer necessarily believes, or something that sprouts from the mind of a younger person who was clearly le- maybe sophisticated in his speech pattern, but less sophisticated in his thought process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, I feel like he still performs it. If like the well, we'd have to look. We'd have to go look and, mm-hmm. and see. Like uh, I'd have watch to watch him. It's just him. Like you pay money to go to his concert, and he's just there to lecture you. <laughs> Eminem lectures. I just can't imagine him performing a lot of those songs from yeah. Slim Shady LP. I, I, yeah, I don't. I just don't see that happening. I, and it could be a subconscious choice. Yep. Like it couldn't even be a conscious choice. He, and you, he, arguably. he is, he is the very easy out of like artistically. I'm past that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to do that anymore. Right. So he's he's out. He can get out of that one uh, Fair fairly enough. easily. So yeah. All right. That was uh, that was that was exactly exa- uh, what I kind of expected of this conversation. But it's just funny because to me. Um, I feel like this is going to happen every couple of years with him. Just like they try to they try to do it to Chris Pratt every mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, every couple of years, uh, the, as the generations move on, and he, you get farther and farther away from the generation that grew up with that music, more people will come through and hear it. And it's it reaches across multiple generations, but the generation that hears it now won't have the resonance that came with living through it as Wait, it came out. What happened mm-hmm. with Chris Pratt? Uh, he's just always... <laughs> He, he's just always in trouble for some, he loves his family that's bad um, he goes to church that's that's really bad Twitter but hates come on that. come on he's the voice of the upcoming Mario yep well that's bad too that's bad um, that's, that's bad that's bad that, that is bad but that's not bad that's not yeah, no, that's legitimately bad. that's not a reason to cancel to come cancel on, come on. but imagine him I watched a bunch of edits so like basically it's Chris Pratt like he plays his character in the office and it's just edits of Mario on top of it it's the best thing ever. I think this is a good concept. We should have it. They they had the thing where like he's like th- he thanks his wife for giving him a healthy child. They're like that means he doesn't love his unhealthy child. <laughs> like because he had a he had a child that was born with um some type of condition when yeah. he was younger. And he's like, "See? He's he hates his ex-wife and he hates it is like you can't win. It's Twitter. Twitter yeah. is a death cesspool of awfulness. You should always stay away from it. It's just mm. people being bored. It's not bored. It's I. I don't think those people are bored. I think a lot of those people are legitimately evil people. Mm-hmm. Like they, there is no end goal to to when they're like Mel Gibson's back. He's still making movies. They want you to die. Talk about uncancelable, man. <laughs> I think we, we we did a segment in a, a thing where I said Mel Gibson, the uncancel. He's literally yeah. bulletproof. Yeah. You can't. Well, it's because he funds a lot of it himself. Mm-hmm. He's just he's so intertwined in the in the culture of Hollywood that he can that he can do that. But yeah. I always wonder about this stuff. Like these actors make these statements, and then you have to hear like other actors come out and say negative things about him. But then what? The younger, hungrier actors who are less picky about their roles will still work with them yeah uh but some people will just walk like pat oswald uh shaking uh dave Sh- or taking a picture oh, with dave man. Chappelle and then having to uh, to apologize for it twitter's awful it's dumb it's dumb mm-hmm. uh but that i mean that's kind of the the basis of a lot of this stuff is celebrity um i have a lot of philosophical issues with what when we talk about this stuff like <laughs> jamie like the britney spears and jamie lynn spears yeah. situation which to me, uh, I read this stuff, and as fascinating as it is, I have like you'll be the one. You're the one giving me uh, philosopher quotes today. <laughs> I have a lot. 
I have a lot. I, I don't take issue with talking about it. I take issue with not examining it beyond the scope of just their own uh, back and forth struggles and pain and suffering, mm-hmm, right? Sure. There has to be some introspection when you talk about this stuff because as fascinating as it is, it becomes junk food for your mind if you're not, uh, if you're not careful. So it's, uh, and this is really like when we're talking Kanye West, we're talking like you're just watching an awful divorce play out in public. Mm-hmm. I'm the product of a of a of a divorce at the age of twelve years old, or a separation oh, at the age two. of twelve. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like, our, I'm sure a lot of people in our sure. generation are. So it's like you know how uh, in my and my parents did a fairly decent job of like, you know, when they split up. Not, um, I kind of took advantage of it, like. <laughs> When when I when my mom was mad at me, I'd just go stay with my dad. When my dad was mad with me, I'd just go stay with my mom. Sure. Uh, oh yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. So yeah. so seeing all this stuff happen, I have to at least look at it a little bit deeper. Otherwise, I I feel ghoulish. Um, so this article is from E News and says Britney Spears told, tells Jamie Lynn Spears, "I love you." After her sister's feud intensifies. Now there's a lot of um, mm. I have a lot of cynicism as well when it comes to stuff like this. So it says. Uh, are Britney Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears headed down uh, towards a rec- uh, toward a reconciliation? Uh, following a fresh online war of words amid an ongoing feud, the toxic singer shared another lengthy and emotional tweet to her estranged sister, who, who recently angered her with comments made at an, on an ABC interview about the rift. The singer's recently terminated conservatorship and her alleged past behavior. Jamie Lynn Spears spoke to the press to promote her new memoir, The Things I Should Have Said, which is set to be released on January 18th. Jamie Lynn, I don't think your book is about me at all. I said some harsh things because I, what you said obviously hurt me, but the things you're making... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to restart that. I said some harsh things because you obviously hurt me by the things you're making up about me. When I said a scum person would make, would make things up like that up about someone, I could have sworn I said, but you are not. Brittany, Brittany, age 40, tweeted on January 15th. Following Jamie Lynn's interview, Brittany penned a tweet to her sister on January 14th, writing now and only now. I do not only, I do know only a scum person would make up such things about someone. I'm actually very confused about you making that up because it's honestly not like you at all. So they all, they seem very confused. They seem very quick to anger. Mm -hmm. And to do this all digitally is even worse, Mm -hmm. right? So it says, in her latest tweet, Brittany wrote to Jamie Lynn, uh, age 30, quote, I know you worked hard for the life you have and you have done amazing. Like nine exclamation mark. <laughs> but I think we have to both agree that the fact, to the fact that the family has never been remotely as hard on you as they have been on me. What dad did to me, they don't even do to criminals. So for you to sit back and act completely aloof to what has happened is honestly insane to me. In November, a judge terminated Britney's conservatorship, which had controlled her finances and personal life for 13 years. Most of that time, her and Jamie Lynn's dad, Jamie Spears, had largely been in control of the arrangement. Earlier in 2021, Britney spoke out against him, the rest of her family, and what they said about her abusive conservatorship. Jamie Lynn's lawyers had said in a court filing submitted more than a week ago about the conservatorship was terminated that the, uh, that the woman's dad, quote, has always and always will have Britney's best interests at heart and that the conservatorship was necessary to protect Britney adding her life was in shambles and she was in physical, mental, and emotional distress. Uh, Physical, mental, emotional, and financial distress. So, I mean, that's not untrue of the time. Granted, we only get to see a bird's eye view in a very, very tiny uh, increment of what is actually going on in their lives. Yeah, for sure. But if that is any... Uh, indication as to what was going on behind the scenes that is true of what was going on back then. But then we get into the debate of like, is it 
freedom versus uh it's your right as a as a sovereign adult uh with free will to you know to ruin your life in whichever way you want to ruin your life right mm -hmm. uh and then i almost feel like the the sister gets caught in the middle because her name is similar to her dad's <coughs> like when i was younger i had no idea jamie lynn and jamie were different people mm -hmm. uh so like imagine that so she's uh, unfortunate have two names yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, and says, uh, so then after Britney Spears accuses her of being a scum person, Jamie Lynn Spears fires back. Uh, Britney Spears has been engaged in a public and pretty nasty feud with her younger sister, Jamie Lynn, in the months since her conservatorship ended. The social media spat has turned particularly ugly since Jamie Lynn started speaking out in promotion of her memoir. With both sisters accusing each other of making up stories, the younger Spears has now fired back again at her older sister, Britney calling her... Uh, at her older sister Brittany calling her a scum person, which disputed the things that Jamie said that Jamie see I almost did again mm -hmm. that Jamie Lynn said about her. Uh, Brittany, just call me. I have attempted many times to speak to you directly and handle this privately, like sisters should. But you should, st uh, but you still choose to do this on a public platform. In the meantime, please stop continuing the narrative that I haven't been there for you, or that I'm making things up. I'm happy to share how many times I've reached out to you. Uh, supported you and tried to help. This is embarrassing and has to stop. Love you. She comes off as the more rational person right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm. I'm not saying that the other person isn't right. Isn't right to their anger, but she at least she's coming off as the person who's like looking at like we're both damaged. Are uh, uh, it's either very cold and calculating, and they both know that this drives up numbers and keeps eyes on them, or one of them is looking. I want to do this in private, and the other person is saying no. I want to do this publicly. Mm -hmm. But well, yeah. So, but why is the one sister forcing this conversation into the public sphere? Yeah, that's the question that I have. So the question, yeah. So uh, Brittany keeps pushing it into the public sphere, and she's saying, and this is the one theoretically. The Jamie Lynn one. is the one with the book out right now. <clears throat> mm -hmm. She's yeah. the one who should be encouraging this to be done on a public platform mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of book sales, but she's not. I mean, this could still very well be... You still make this tweet and know very well it's not going to actually cause that and it come, makes you look like the better person. Right. But that, that, but that just brings me back to my point. The cynicism of all this. Seeing yeah. all this stuff play out in the public sphere. Like, how morbid and depressing. Mm. Like, in the world we live in today where you can't even fight with your family in private. Nope, because there's always eyes and ears everywhere. And it's uh, one would say it's part of being a celebrity, right? Like they uh, they don't really have the same expectation of privacy that the rest of us have. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make it any better, not for them. That's true. It translates to money better for them than me me beefing with uh, some family member on Facebook. Yeah, <clears throat> nobody really cares about Brett Dosovic. Thank you for saying my last name. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And thank you for saying it wrong. I know. As, as usual. <laughs> I um, do that because I always pronounce you're annoying. a D. What? Because you're annoying. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, nobody will care about us because well, we're not that level yet. We. I don't ever want to be at any level like that. But I'm mm -hmm. saying like the average person will fight with their family with no monetary uh, incentive <coughs> on, on social media. Mm -hmm. So imagine if there is financial incentive to do so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what's necessarily the financial incentive here from Britney's point of view? And she's the one that's forcing it out Think there. Think she's not going to make music again? Think this won't keep her relevant? I don't know. She claims that she's made, just has been making tons of music. She just mm -hmm. hasn't been able to release it. Okay, so... so Think she won't find a way to release it in future? I don't know, but is a feud really going to fuel future sales? I mean, but she's she already notorious. Post, like, Free Britney movement brought a lot of people together that would 
uh, that I believe translates to a lot of album sales. Mm-hmm. So a public beef with her sister is just going to accelerate that. Especially if it drives into the narrative that she was mistreated. And she, it looks like she was. Uh, but yeah. then we're not talking about the dad anymore. We're talking right. about the sister. So both of them benefit financially from this. People will buy the book out of morbid curiosity. And Britney will sell albums because people support her right to freedom because she absolutely has that right to freedom. So I think the ghoul, uh, my belief in the more ghoulish side of human nature believes that both can monetize this. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're aware of that? Mm, that's so it's just kind of like a, you know, enemy shaking hands kind of thing? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I, Kim I, Kardashian and her family has like a book, How to Start Family Drama to Monetize. <laughs> That's that's not outside the realm of possibility for people. Yeah. But it's this only level. sold to celebrities. Like people right, like us right. will never see it unless we I hit like that, that level. It's got an Illuminati symbol on the exactly. top. Exactly. Oh, I like that a lot. That's yeah. Really cool. Produced by the Bilderberg Group. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but to me, it's, I just feel like when I read this stuff, I, it makes me more interested in the um, in the uh, business aspect of these industries because uh, as we know these industries are, are are a very glossy veneer of very very treacherous behavior a lot of mm-hmm. times these industries are very cutthroat they're very abusive and they're very controlling about celebrities and the way things are going there's a dark side to Hollywood that will likely never see a mass produced light of day because the people producing mass uh, mass scene light of day material is the industry in question so we can support Free Britney, which I do, and I, I don't think she should have ever been under conservatorship outside of the realm that she was physically harming herself. Uh, in that case, she shouldn't have been performing music and allowed to keep uh, making money that her dad got to control. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this case, I just have a hard time seeing this, I, maybe because I'm jaded and not seeing this as something where maybe she writes it out and, and if there wasn't the incentive, she's like, I'll send her a text instead. But mm-hmm. she's like, I do have a book out in a couple of days. Mm. Like, I just have a hard time believing that that instinct isn't there, especially for people who've been in these industries as long as they have. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I see a lot of the posts from Brittany on Instagram, and it just seems like she's on a kind of an anarchist streak. Mm-hmm. She is. Of kinds. She is. And I, and I love it. <laughs> but, a, but a targeted uh, back and forth with the sister is not the same thing. And also, anarchism can look can be very calculated when it's coming from the position of somebody making specific posts at specific times and releasing things to carefully construct an image. You are now saying that she's on an anarchist streak because of what she's released. How do you know that those weren't cold, calculated decisions in, in what she decided to release? I sense an, imp- uh, an unpredictable person mm-hmm. that finally is getting some sort of whiff of whatever freedom that she's been denied. For, uh, and I, for the most part, that's I agree. Uh, and, and, that it's, and, and, it's somebody who's, like you said, catharsis, finally has that freedom and is, right. is releasing it. But I just, like I said, but this industry is... is it's dr- it's uh, drilled into them from a young age that this is all stuff that and maybe they don't know but it's just a happy accident that they will later be able to monetize on mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is there mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just for me it's not just necessarily the pictures that are posted it's like the composition of the rants mm-hmm. that accompany these pictures that's mm-hmm. just like I don't know she doesn't seem unhinged she doesn't seem ill but there does seem to be something there that is... I've been waiting to type this out for a long time. Yeah. Have, have, like, you, ever, yeah. have you ever seen the, the meme of like, it's like uh, two different personality types uh, venting to you. Mm-hmm. And one, it's like message, 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 message. And one's just a very long... Yeah. 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 And everybody's <laughs> one type of that yeah. person. Which one are you? Uh, short, brief bursts Be- of brief messages. Bursts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because I have those those friends and family members that send the, the textbook. Yeah. And, and, you know you're in trouble when it has that little arrow at yep. the bottom of the message. You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm clicking into like a Word document That's me. on my phone. I'm the, I write the 10-page message. 
<laughs> because if I don't, I'll forget what I need to say next. Yeah. Uh, but I also love the thing where uh, a guy to, like, in a text, his wife says, calm down. And then you see the, the beep, the three dots clicking. Yeah. And it's free. says, when you see this clicking for 15 minutes and you say, whatever comes next, we will weather the storm. <laughs> like, That's good. Because it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Yeah. So I'm I'm that person. I write because uh, and uh, the other funny thing is I'm an Android user and all my friends are iPhone users. So they get the message and it's oh. like five different texts come because there is oh, one God. block of text that gets sent as like you're that guy. I'm that guy. Oh, I'm man. also that person too because oh. I have an Android. Yep. Uh, uh, oh, you're still the iPhone guy. Oh I've my been God. the iPhone guy since the very first iPhone. I don't know how to use another phone at this point. I well, had, I had an <clears> iPhone <throat> from two to five. So our our friend Sarah, she switched over to Android. So we have her, and she said it's, it's so much better than iPhones. Really? Yeah. Deal with yeah. it. So deal know. with it. We're taking over because we can do multitasking. Yeah, but in the group messages, you you guys screw up the pictures. You guys <laughs> screw up the videos. Oh, the worst is like yeah, like like my like all like my friend will send me like a, a a video through chat, and it's the pixel. It, lo- yeah. it looks like a video of Bigfoot. No yeah. Matter, uh, no yeah. matter what it is. Oh yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's the best. Well, also, we have that green <laughs> bubble that everybody hates because iPhone users, they have the blue bubble. Yeah, and they, get, they hate us with our green bubbles. Yeah. Well, I think, the green, I think the green bubble looks really cute. It's a nice green. So screw it. I got green behind me. That's See, that's the green bubble. Uh, uh, that's our green bubble. Buy Chris Carr with your iPhone. Yes. Because it breaks down like at least once a month. And you have to buy a new one. That's yep. true. hours, we can just chuck it against the wall. I have chucked it against the wall mo- multiple times. Also, you can buy the cheapest new, ver- or you can buy the lowest storage and just put your expandable storage into your into your phone. Yep. So, though that's becoming less and less important now that uh, cloud storage and, and phones that's come true. with like a gazillion gigs, anyways. <laughs> but at the end of this article, but it says, it's still fun. Yes, it says there's no doubt that uh, the release of Jamie Lynn Spears' book is a sore spot for Britney. Uh, she trolled her sister for months over the book, particularly when the title was changed from "I Must Confess," "Family," "Fame," and "Figuring It Out." To things I should have said. Those are both very telling titles. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's sad. It's sad to see what's become of Britney and Jamie Lynn Spears' relationship, and only time will tell if they're able to work through the events and past that tore them apart. So, like, my hope is that we can get the as manufactured as I feel all this is. My my consumerist brain is like, no, I want a manufactured hug and a manufactured <laughs> reunion and a manufactured tour together, where they then pretend they went they go from pretending to fighting online to pretending to being friends, uh, best friends again, uh, mm-hmm. online, and then do a concert together where they pretend to like each other and I'll be okay because I can just pretend it's real. Yeah, mm. it's all fake in the end. Ah. Uh. But just because it's fake doesn't mean it's not true at a deeper level. Yes, that's at least true. in terms of the narrative that's or, being presented, or what it means to you. Or yeah, it's exactly. Just entertaining, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was one more. It says, uh, "There's." I just thought this was funny. Jamie Lynn Spears not going on book tour. Didn't write this for the money. <laughs> Nice. Okay, like after you got all the publicity already, you got more publicity from doing this than you did uh, than you would from the book tour. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Who the hell's going and hanging out at bookstores anymore? Mm-hmm. Like well, at least for pop exist. culture books, right? Like maybe for like if you're like a hoity-toity, uh, I love my Kafka books and I love my <laughs> Dostoevsky, but not nobody's like I go hang out at. at is Barnes and Noble still a thing? Is yeah, Border, certain like, places, is Border yeah. still a thing? Or your local <laughs> bookstore that's been there for a hundred years and you have no idea how it actually stays around is probably a front. 
uh, for like a Russian <laughs> spy ring or something, right? It's uh, probably a fun. I love that idea. For like, it's like a Russian spy ring. Like, it's like the guys who got left over from the Cold War just opened a bookstore. <laughs> uh, Jamie Lynn took a hard pass on doing a nationwide tour to promote her new book because she's not in it for the money. Also, she probably didn't want to answer the hard questions mm. that people would hopefully ask her. Uh, so says sources connected to her, of course, because it's it's definitely not a source that's not connected to her. It's mm-hmm. like it's her publicist. The source is probably her publicist. The source is familiar with the way that she thinks. Yes, yeah. <laughs> those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those familiar with their state of mind. Uh, our sources say Britney's little sis was approached about doing a book tour, but she was adamant it wasn't for her. My get, can you imagine like this company gives you like a seven figure advance, and then they say the book tour is optional? Bull. Mm-hmm. Like this must have been worked out beneforehand, or they found a way to make it financially benefit uh, beneficial for them. Because there's no way, like whatever publisher is making this, is like we're just going to skip the advertising phase. I don't, I don't know that books like book tours are really I, well. First of all, financially, they're they're a drain. At least from what I've heard from you know, touring. Our, like uh, one of my favorite authors is Brett Easton Ellis, uh, mm-hmm. who wrote American Psycho, and I, I'm an adamant <coughs> follower of his podcast. And he talks very often about the differences between being an author and doing book tours in the 90s versus that being totally obsolete now like that's just not really a thing like you still get like the David Sedaris book tour or stuff Mm -hmm. like that but that's really just not something that happens anymore so what do they do instead social media it's just social media absolutely Mm -hmm. it's just digital promotion you know you don't have and he and he actually did Brady Snellis did do a book tour a a couple years ago and he was just like I mean they threw him scraps he was just like this book tour was so awful I would never do this again part of a dying it's it's kind of like uh, cons in the comic book industry mm-hmm. uh, they're going the way of the the dinosaur in a way mm-hmm. because uh, first of all whether we whatever we think of COVID or not a lot of people are going to be hesitant to go and pack themselves into it so they can get a draw so they can pay $50 for a, a Superman print from Brian Michael Bendis and Artist mm-hmm. Alley uh, when they can just support uh, they buy the comics they talk to these people online comic book artists can be generally pretty awful to people <coughs> on social media mm-hmm. yeah um, so it's like cons feel like they're a thing becoming a thing of the past more so especially since in the comic book industry nobody really cares. they go there now for the movie announced they, they nobody goes to comic-con to actually meet the comic book artist they go there to meet whatever shiny face celebrity is going to play mm-hmm. that character in the next iteration of it from marvel or dc yeah, in the sure. new trailers right? yeah in the yeah. New yeah. trailers also youtubers used to go to comic cons too so you get to meet them and once cosplay. in a while yeah. And cosplay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You get to see a lot of boobas. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just uh, book tours. Yeah. I, so, so she doesn't need to go on a book tour to, for, this, for this to do well. One could say that her back and forth Twitter battle with her sister was all the social media, uh, also, was all the promotion she needed. Yeah. Right. Also, does anybody remember Jamie Lynn? Like, nobody remembers her. I had to bring up Zoe 101. For some people to remember. They're both Disney kids, right? No, she was Nickelodeon. It's probably a subsidiary mm. of Disney at this point. <laughs> probably is, yeah. I, no, they're still it? separated. See who owns uh, Nickelodeon for us, will you? No, but it's funny because, like, uh, Britney started as, like, uh, Disney, and then Jamie Lynn started as... <laughs> Nickelodeon, but which is that's that's what I really want to know because I've, I've been watching the Britney Spears documentaries and I really want to know what happened at Disney because the, you'll never the find narrative, out, man. I know, but I need to know so bad. It, from what I understand, the narrative loosely is she was going into the city, she was traveling constantly, she was doing audition after audition. Her mom was doing it. She finally got some success, <coughs> and then she landed Disney, 
And then she said, you know what? I kind of just want to go back to being a regular girl again. Let's just go back to my hometown. I don't want, I don't want to do this. I'm fine. Her parents what like, what happened? You are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we spent all this money. But like, what motivated that? Like what happened at Disney? I want to know what happened to Britney Spears when she was working at Disney. She was at Mickey, um, Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse Club. Club. And with with uh, Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake was uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. He was in the same group, right? Yeah. Yep. What happened? I gotta know. They all drank the Kool Aid, but hers was a little bit stronger because it was at the bottom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was at the bottom. We have a guest speaker today <laughs> named Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> There's a, okay, there was a show called Mysteries of Laura. This is such an aside, but uh, in this show, this in 2014, there's this episode where they're like, uh, uh, it's it's Deborah Messing plays the main character and Laz Alonzo plays this cop, and they go to like this underground fight ring where this kid's filming a documentary with like his little handheld camera, and he's like, I'm in film school, <laughs> and they're like, you can't be here. This fight is not allowed. He goes. <laughs> He's like Harvey Weinstein came and gave a speech at my in, in, at my classes at Tisch and said a great artist doesn't wait for permission. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, but wow. Nickelodeon's owned by Viacom CBS. Okay. Just right, so I mean, throw okay. that in there. It's okay. the same four companies, and and, okay. and Disney owns ABC, so yeah. uh, sure. it's it's all the same. <clears throat> uh, Interesting. If you think of if you think of Mickey Mouse as a large like monster that swallows up everything in his path. He's a lot less cuddly. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, but, but never mind. I was reading something, but no, they're not owned by Disney technically. But yes, who? Uh, Nickelodeon. So Nickelodeon's owned by Viacom International, as in 2014. Um, elsewhere, Disney is owned by Walt Disney. So the basically, Walt Disney they're company, saying yeah. no. No, yeah. They, but uh, why did they phrase it like that? They likely like, had sh- mm-hmm. own stock in it, though. Like they Disney, could've. like aspects of the company. Or uh, the funny thing is, all the board members of these companies all own stock in all these other companies because mm-hmm. uh, they just have the money to do so. Yeah. So <clears throat> you, you spread the wealth around yourself by being part of all of it. So I don't know. It is, it would be very interesting to find, to hear what happened, but that doc, that's a documentary. I mean, you could make it, mm-hmm. but it's either never going to get released or you better be wearing a bulletproof vest. Never, yeah. never going to happen. They, there's too much money at stake. <laughs> there's too many, uh, it's like, uh, no, I don't want to bring up Maxwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Like you just you can't right. do it. It's too dark. It's too the the underbelly mm-hmm. is too uh, it's too seedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. That now that we're through the depressing stuff, <laughs> let's talk about even more depressing stuff. No, this is <laughs> this is way less depressing. A thin Uncle Phil. Prince, Re- Prince reboot Bel Air is a slap in the face for bigger men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I support this article. 110%. Uh, I'm a bigger man. That's that okay. That's not tr- necessarily <laughs> true. But my weight has fluctuated once or twice in my life. Uh, I I like I'm like a buck 80, but at like 5 foot 6 or 5 foot 5, that's pretty, you know, you have to have either a good muscle tone or you have to work out a lot to keep that and have it mm-hmm. not be like flab but that's not the point of this article uh i feel bad for the actor in the new series because i love this actor adrian holmes uh but this article is from the independent and says a thin uncle phil why the fresh prince reboot bel-air is a slap in the face to bigger men for bigger men will smith's 90s comedy series is being rebooted as a gritty drama (laughs) that has divided fans imagine my shock but it's the reimagining of uncle phil as a muscular patriarch that's bothering ed cumming mm-hmm. poor ed cumming uh, it says like many british millennials i have a sacred i have sacred memories of late afternoons in the early 90s or they say naughties 
That, don't, see, don't, I knew that would upset you. Yeah. I knew that would upset you. Uh, at the early noughties, uh, uh, when BBC Two laid on the fr- laid on the Simpsons and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air back to back, this holy one-two family-friendly American entertain this this holy one-two of family-friendly American entertainment has never been bettered. That's probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wa- I w- so I watched the trailer for the rebooted more grown-up version of Fresh Prince uh, Bel-Air with the nervous hope of some someone checking a bottle of milk to see if, I, if it had gone off. Oh. <laughs> Remaking beloved programs is a risky business. <coughs> that is absolutely true. Yeah. Remember, you don't have built-in fans. You have built-in critics. That is one of the most prophetic things that I've heard lately. That was uh, That's uh, the, good. the quartering. Uh, heard that from someone else. Um, and that was one of the, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like you do not, you get built in name recognition and with that, all the scrutiny that comes with it. Yeah. They tend to be at best pointless and at worst, uh, enough to be retrospectively, to retrospectively diminish your impression of the original. That is more often than not what happens. We just praised the Dexter reboot the other day as being mm-hmm. not offensive to the original series. Ugh. Uh, the finale was not good, but the original finale wasn't good either yeah so it was like we're like eh. i mean in a world where it could have gone really really wrong i'll settle for just meh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's sad that that's what you have to work with now you have to you have to beg for scraps mm-hmm. so sadly any critical faculties i have were rendered mute watching the tra- watching the trailer i could only manage a single thought what the hell have they done to uncle phil <laughs> played by james avery uncle phil was a big character literally and figuratively he had a hearty appetite and, a, and the girth to prove it. It fits his character with, uh, without wishing to pretend this was the kind of thing I reflected on much after school when I was 10. I think as someone prone to a little softness around the edges, I found Uncle Phil subconsciously reassuring. So I think we're kind of getting into the, the, repre- the diversity and representation argument. He's like, I saw someone who looked like me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's his, uh, I don't know if that makes this a slap in the face to mm-hmm. all uh, bigger men, but I digress. It says, here was, a, here was a bloke who was powerful, popular, professional, professionally successful, and romantically attractive, albeit not all of them and not all at the same time. Mm-hmm. If Will, as in Smith, was the prince, Phil was the king. Whatever scraps Will, Carlton, and the rest got themselves into, Phil was always there to bail them out. Sure, Phil could be stern and had a temper, but it was always for the right reasons. That was the beautiful thing about him. Yep. He was very uh, stoic and stern in the, way he, in the way he taught his life lessons. It was the best part of it. Yeah, my favorite episodes when um, Will and Carlton they went to jail because they thought he, they stole a car from a rich white man, and they went to jail because they're two black men driving a expensive car. And then Phil is like, "Release them. Those are my son and nephew." And they're like, "No, sir. You need um, they need a lawyer, and they need to go through this." And he's like, "I am their lawyer, and I am their parental guardian. Release them now because I am the, the judge." Of this court. One could say that he abused his privilege as a judge. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know, but it was so powerful. Like, and having... Yeah, for good TV. T- yeah, it's yeah. really good for TV because during that time and period... And something a real fierce uh, father would do mm-hmm. for, for the, the kids that he loved. That part's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, another favorite episode of mine is where, like, Will's dad finally came into his life, but yeah. then he disappeared again. Yep. And, like, he was, like, venting to Phil... Because, like, he kind of felt bad because earlier in that episode, he said, you're not my father. Yeah. And yep. then, like, he kind of apologized, but not really. Yeah. Well, and it was, like, so heartbreaking. So oh, that's, that's why I said I'm kind of excited for this TV show because I feel like they can do it, but I just don't like the actor choices. They, uh, I'm just saying. 
just a brief digression off of that comment because that that is like the seminal you know Fresh Prince episode and they're all Mm -hmm. super memorable but Will Smith writes about that experience Mm -hmm. in his new memoir did you guys no I've no I wanted to read it because I saw an advertisement for it um, somewhere downtown like nearby DC Um, but he writes about how uh, you know uh, James Avery became his de facto father on the Mm -hmm. set and they had that dynamic and James James Avery who was this classically trained actor was Mm -hmm. very um, he only would give out morsels of yeah. like compliments to mm-hmm. Will. It was always kind of like the stern keeps him level headed. Yes, yeah. But the only time, but like Will Smith had a, re- he really struggled to like pull that scene off, mm-hmm. you know. But James Avery was just like, look at me, mm-hmm. look at me, let's do the scene. Yeah, and Will Smith did it, and he got the best compliment he ever mm-hmm. got from Uncle Phil. He was just like, okay, that was acting. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like, um, it, did you watch the reunion episode where I did? I well, you know, mm-hmm. I did, but I, I started crying and I got really emotional. He <laughs> passed. <laughs> he passed into twenty thirteen. Yeah. yeah, same day Betty White yeah. passed this year. December wow. 31st. Yep. Oh wow. wow. Interesting. The um, years are taking them away from us. Yes, but they are. Mm-hmm. basically I love it because they said the first season of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, this is when Will started like fully acting. Mm-hmm. And like they said if you watch closely, yeah. it's him like mouthing the each he says of the everybody's scripts. lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I never noticed that until they pointed it out and I rewatched it because I have the full box set of season one and I was watching it and I was like, No way. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I, happens when you when if somebody's like that'll happen a lot if you see like rappers <coughs> who get hired for their first acting role sure. yeah like you can see them following the the them with their <clears throat> eyes there in a way mm-hmm. to or not just rap but anybody who's not you know bring bring in a musician who's mm-hmm. never acted before they might be able to work that out now to the point where you don't notice it if they give them enough coaching ahead of time but yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, also. Go watch the movie Crossroads with Britney Spears. Yeah, that's what I was just <laughs> thinking. Fantastic <laughs> acting. On I don't know what that movie is. Oh, we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy it for you on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, yes. Blu, uh, Steelbook. I wonder I'm if scared a, now. I wonder if there's a Steelbook of Crossroads that would be. Incredible. I don't think so because I don't think they exist anymore. Only a collector. Steel, steelbooks are still very common. Well, for that. Uh, for that kind of movie. For that movie, probably not. Yeah. So it says uh, it says so that uh, Phil could be stern and he had a temper, but it was always for the right reasons. He was ambitious for his children, anxious that the privilege afforded by his professional success would not impede them from making the best of themselves. If he was framed as Will's anta- if he was framed as Will's antagonist, that was more to do with Will's immaturity than any malice on Phil's part. Mm-hmm. Exactly, good parenting. Uh, at heart, Phil was a deeply kind man, a male role model for Will, who gave refuge to his miscreant nephew after he got in one little fight in Philadelphia and his mother worried for his future. Uncle Phil was rich and had put himself up in a White House-looking mansion in one of the fanciest neighborhoods in America, but he was no trustafarian. Of course, they would mm-hmm. have to bring this into, up into this. Uh, he was a self-made man, a Princeton and Harvard graduate, a lawyer with a proud history of involvement in the civil rights movement. He embodied the American dream. He believed in waking up in the morning dressing... <coughs> The part in working hard, an mm-hmm. archetypal Reaganite. <laughs> nice. That's uh, cute wording uh, right there. Uh, uh, <laughs> we love Ronald Reagan here. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Phil was uh, was prosperity inside and out. No longer in the new trailer. Phil, now played by Adrian Holmes, is decidedly trim, broad of shoulders, but narrow of waist. Publicity photos highlight the actor's bulging guns in an outrage. It's an outrage. Uncle Phil should not have guns. Oof. So Uncle Phil should not be in shape Is what he's saying Uh, Bad Bad for you to be in shape Uncle Phil Well Also Maybe we get to see How he turns fat no, they'll Aww. never not. Th- that would be a plot twist. That would be yeah. that would be interesting. Man, it would be maybe funny. they put him in a fat suit in the last episode. Maybe, Dude. 
But I just don't like the series because, like, they kind of have, like, you know how, like, Will comes into the boarding school for the first time? Mm. And, like, his first day, he kind of has, like, troubles. In the new series, they kind of include that. I wish they didn't do it. I wish, like, they did it before he entered into Bel Air. Mm. But it's whatever. I'm still excited for it. We shouldn't be surprised. Gradu- <laughs> gradually, the big men are being winnowed out of TV. <laughs> they're, they're being ousted along with the red-haired women. Oh, come on. Leave Peppa Pig's dad alone. <laughs> there will be no fat men and no uh, red-haired women eventually. The, it's the ginger side and the... Fat aside. The fat apocalypse. Give them um, all one series. It, it, put oh. them all in one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big fat redhead. It'll, it'll be called Big Red. <laughs> big Red. Uh, there was a time when you hardly moved for them. Mark Addy and Still Standing, Jod Goodman and Roseanne, Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, Kevin James and the King of Queens. What they're forgetting to mention is how all these big men had impossibly hot wives. That was, uh, <laughs> that was the... Uh, that was the <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> the way things—that's the way things were. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Gandolfini and The Sopranos—they all exerted a kind of large dad authority. Uncle Phil's weight was occasionally the subject of teasing from the younger generation, and he did suffer a massive heart attack. But it was never a moral failing. He was just a big dude. His size was a part of him, but far from his only quality. They're arguing for what we always argue for—three-dimensional characters. That should be more than just—it's <laughs> a bit more than three-dimensional with Uncle Phil. Oh man, that was, that was brutal. <laughs> but they're arguing for somebody who's more than just your race, more than just your gender, more than just your sexual preference, which we're always talking about. Make your characters more than that. Your character can be more than just big or skinny as long as he's uh, uh, not just some type of stereotype, right? So it's like he's almost there. He almost gets it, but he doesn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. I'm just bristling. This person is so stupid. I can't <laughs> believe this person is allowed to have a keyboard. Every single point they're making is so dumb. Mm-hmm. This seems like a healthier message than the current situation on TV. What? The message of get healthy and, and, and have guns? Uh, <laughs> Basically, it's just another guy that he's like, I looked up to Uncle Phil. Like, literally looked up oh. because he was the big guy that I could... Be. Also, this guy's, uh, he's delusional in, in the sense that he says, he was just, a, it says, uh, he, um, this seems like a healthier message. It says uh, he was just a big dude uh, and size was, size was a part of him, but not far from his only quality. This seems like a healthier message than the current situation on TV where everyone looks like they've been sculpted by Michelangelo, my, by Michelangelo, except for one or two fat exceptions. They literally point out their own. In the next article, it'll be somebody saying, look at this representation from this uh, larger overweight person. So they both want it. They want to have their cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, Television, movies, comic books, photography are visual mediums and people are going to be drawn to aesthetically pleasing people, right? Mm -hmm. So people do not go see, want to go see a chubby James Bond. They don't. They never have. They never will. I'm sorry to break it to you. You could maybe, and when they do do that, they have to make it part of the character, which makes it even worse Mm -hmm. because you're drawing attention to it and it becomes all the character is, right? Mm -hmm. So... When they when we have these movies where these people are, it's James Bond. He's a spy. You're not supposed to identify with the spy. You're supposed to be along for the ride, right? Uh, what's the, it's like men want to be him, women want to be with him. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to see that as attainable. You're supposed to see that as a story you want to sit down and watch to consume. 
So uh, they have a little bit more of an argument with Uncle Phil, who's supposed to re- represent just your average uh, average dad. But like I said, there uh, this is an era where there, there's more diverse body types on screen than there has ever been before in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, they're, they're slowly destroying stuff that we all identified with. Like, I really love Fresh Prince of Bel- um, Bel-Air. So this new series, I really hope they can do it well. The, uh, but That's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, fat Uncle Phil, bring him back, please. Make the actor fat. He's <laughs> Just he's, like make him no. like devolve. Like he has a fat Will's regimen. just too much for him to hold on. He's just like, oh my God, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't let him go. They're also making it like a mystery. They're like, we can't tell him why we're taking, why we took him in. I'm like, oh God. Really? The trailer tells you pretty much why he went to Bel Air. No, they're saying why the family was so accommodating to him. They're, 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 they're it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a big stretch. Yep. For all the talk of body positivity, of body positivity and diversity, <laughs> big guys are rarer than ever. See, it's sexism against men. Come on. <laughs> they mentioned keto diets. When Mi- when Modern Family finished in 2020, talking to it with Eric Stone Street's cuddly icon Cameron Tucker, so too did the most prominent live-action Big Dad. The remaining Big Dads tend to be animated. Think of Homer Simpson, Peter Griffin, and Peppa, use- useless daddy pig who gets stuck in the soft play area. And the in the in the Big Dads are all, the one thing that the that Uncle Phil had that a lot of those other dads don't mm-hmm. is Uncle Phil was portrayed as strong, confident, competent, and a good dad. Homer yeah. Simpson is portrayed as a goof. Same and thing with Peter Griffin. Exactly. They're all per- the. It, it's almost as if they're equating being oversized with being bad. But Cameron Tucker from um, Modern Family, even though he was like a big goof, like he had moments where he was like very strong, like how he explained because like they looked at him because he's one of the gay guys um gay characters mm-hmm. in that show they didn't realize that he knew how to play football and he knows how to lift up things yeah. with his own strength and he knows how to build yeah because they always thought of him as like the big it's like rudolph the mm-hmm. red-nosed reindeer for for, for <laughs> you guys. are useful i remember reading like an article about mm-hmm. like how uh uh Re- rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was harmful because it means people only use you for what you're good for oh um, mm-hmm. so. That's dumb. I don't know. But it also teaches kids to love yourself with your flaws. Well, you should learn to love yourself for your flaws and what you can offer the world. It should not be used as like, yes, people are going to uh, hold you to account for what you're good at, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when um, when Andy and Lydia announced their engagement, one of the first things she said when she, when she talked about like when they got uh, when they got together, she's like, I looked at this guy. He was very good at his job. I was like, see, c- people are attracted when you're competent and you're good at what you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Right. It's, it's not something that should be frowned upon. They, what, are you supposed to be attracted to them because they're not good at their job? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, Well, I guess that comes down to the question is, <coughs> does this bloke have a girlfriend or not? Is yeah. this bloke married? Because I can't imagine that they're just like, wow, great work. I mean, mm-hmm. hearing this take is so demoralizing. I know. And so uh, just baffling. Uh, well, what I mean, part, what can you do? What, what part bugs you the most? I mean, he's, he's got it all wrong. He's mm-hmm. missed it all. Then, he loves the character. And he's associating the character with the body type. Mm-hmm. He's he's mangling the remake, which is a total reimagination with the original. I yeah. mean, he's he's missed it all. He's missed it all. One could argue that the remake being grittier doesn't it doesn't fit to have Uncle Phil look like that. No, it, none of this, none of this fit. He, obviously, the actor was cast to play the character, mm-hmm. yeah. so you know, problem solved. 
Um, I mean, first of all, the only reason that you can imagine a show like this this way is because you don't have the personality of Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you don't have a personality like that, that has like just comedic talent and I skill. I don't know if there was an actor alive right now who could. No, uh, not even close. Oh, he's so a once in a lifetime talent. Yes. Like, uh, I could, you could argue that if it was like, you know, if they were going to do older Will Smith, maybe like a Michael B. Jordan could, Mm -hmm. could do something. He has a a crap ton of charisma. Uh, Winston Duke is a a very good actor, but this isn't really his genre. Mm. Um, so there are actors where this would theoretically work, but uh, finding a young actor at that age to be able to do that, that's not an easy, that's not an easy ask of anyone. Right. So didn't this whole thing just spin off of a fan trailer? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a fan made like a like a, a home trail, like you know, like a, a fan made trailer, and then he got offered. He's the main producer on the on the whole thing, so mm-hmm. that's actually a, a pretty cool story. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm I don't excited know. for it, either or. I'm, I don't care if Uncle Phil. <laughs> no, I Phil, won't be watching this. Oh, no. well, that's true because I don't have Peacock TV unless somebody wants to give us a sponsorship. <laughs> What? It's like four ninety nine a month, you cheap. Hey, 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 hey. I get hey. it for free because I have to have Comcast internet where I live. Yeah. So, yeah. You That's go, nice. Uh, she can come over, babysit, and watch, uh, oh, yeah, watch can, Bel Air. I can watch your new baby Shiloh, but I need to buy him an infant. Don't, don't toy with me. Don't. <laughs> if you don't mean it, don't say it. No, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I don't sleep. Brett and I have the same sleep schedule. All right. As with dark, his dark analog, Tony Soprano, another patriarch of large appetites mm-hmm. and firmly fa- and firm family standards, the original Fresh Prince Uncle Phil's size made sense. Now it's out of time. In an era of Peloton and ultra marathons and keto diets, being overweight in, wa- in wealthy American circles is tantamount to failure of character. That's weapons grade projection <coughs> if I've ever heard it. What? Um, Keto's bad? Well, just like he, he's, he's putting a lot on a phrase that he's probably never talked to someone in those circles. Uh, like, does he know any rich people? Like, how many of those people does he know and don't have, like, a bigger guy as, like, the head of the family, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, not not everybody's uh, um, well, it also Bezos, who now looks, like, super cut. And mm-hmm. Well, also, the stereotype is, like, a strong family man is, like, bigger and stronger. Yep. So that's why, maybe that's where he's going at. Like, he says... Maybe he's trying to say, like, I wish, like, Uncle Phil was stronger, like, a bigger image, like, how he was before, because it symbolizes that he's a strong family head. But he talks about bulging muscles. That's strength. He's I know, like, but You're like, not supposed to have guns. But I think he means, like, physically. Yeah. Not, like, in muscle-wise. I think, like, more, like, stature-wise. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's going through that route. It's, I don't know. Chris Carter, you know? Uh, he's got nothing. I mean, you know where he's from? UK. <laughs> yeah, we had a whole skit where uh, yesterday I was like, yeah. Chris Carr's Razor. Okay. <laughs> Carr's Razor. <laughs> if it comes from the UK, you can discredit it. Yeah. <laughs> so, note for all articles when Chris Carr here from the Independence and let... Uh, Every once in a while, one of these blokes pulls it off, but yeah. uh, nope, swinging a mess. Yep. coming. It's also weird because if he's from the UK, that means he doesn't really understand the dynamics of American... Uh, I, mean, I don't understand the dynamics of American wealth... Uh, so how can we expect somebody from another country to unless they actually are part of it, right? Well, so. right. Yeah, maybe. That's true. But don't they have their fat characters too in the UK? Arguably, they're a lot less... The, he's right in one respect that the UK is a lot less hung up on body image when it comes to these characters. Well, yeah, look at their teeth. Well, look at... Well, look at... No, look, look at the... Who's the... 
Wallander, like Kenneth Brana played like uh, a sorry, detective. Sorry, I just pulled out a random stereotype. Yes. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> there's a lot of like, um, uh, God, I can't remember. Not Miss Marple. Uh, Marple? There, there's a bunch of like. Uh, What's you, Marple? Uh, it's a, it's a, Never mind. <laughs> There's a, they don't focus. Their actors aren't as heavily focused on being like the the detectives in their shows look like you'd actually expect a detective to look like, uh, like River or um, oh god, I'm not gonna be able to remember the name off the top of my head. But mo if you look at most of their like long running detective dramas, mm -hmm. they look like dads. They like uh, have you ever seen the Honest trailer where they talk about uh, for Ghostbusters where like yeah. this is what movie stars look like in the eighties and it's Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. They all look like dads, right? right? So that's what they actually look like when you watch the UK series. Uh, all they've really got mm -hmm. is David Tennant. That's uh, that's their big uh, that's mm -hmm. their big guy. David so Tennant and and uh, well, that's not true. I, mm -hmm. He's their biggest, uh, I guess, next to. Um, so okay, are you saying the, the 1980s brought um, made dad bods a thing? Dad bods were already a thing in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I mean like a, a fab, like kind of like the fashion trend, like what women want. I don't know. I just don't know if they ever thought about it. Uh, you uh, just, yeah. You're, you're it picked was, more yeah. for your acting ability. Tom Cruise kind of brought in the, the pretty boy look Ugh. in a lot of his... He mm -hmm. would talk in, in a lot of his interviews about... He's like, the, he's like if you, he goes, whether you're getting roles or not, you have to stay in shape. You have to work out because uh, the, your confidence will be affected uh, when mm -hmm. your body is... Um, you know. Like, so it's like, uh, you want to look good on camera and off camera. And then before him, before that generation, it really wasn't a thing to really worry about what you looked like with your shirt off. But mm -hmm. as the role where shirts came off more frequently grew, uh, you had to worry about that stuff, which is why yeah. all these actors have personal trainers. But come on, Kung Fu Panda proved that you can still jiggle and move. Kung Fu Panda <laughs> is animated. Come on. <laughs> but come on. It brought back um, body positivity. Yeah. And Shrek also. Shrek also Again, talks. animated. <laughs> you're, you're horrible at this, I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm trying to think of real characters that are fat that we seen shirtless, but I don't think we have yet. Okay, there you have it. <laughs> so, Open Homer close. Simpson, Homer, <laughs> another animated one. Yeah. I'm stop. on the roll. You can't stop. We're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk Joss Whedon. Uh, right. This is going to take. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna because I just. I don't want to spend. I, I wanted to spend initially a lot of time on this, but I, I just feel bad mm -hmm. uh, for everyone involved in this stuff because it's the definition of Hollywood drama. Yeah. Um, this is uh, an article from Cinema Blend. It says Joss Whedon addresses Justice League controversies, slams cast, and calls Ray Fisher quote a bad actor. Did you guys know of any of this stuff prior to this going on? Like all the stuff that had been going on? No, I haven't followed it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. When when uh, the Snyder Cut was being promoted and everything like that, uh, one thing they noticed was that Ray Fisher's character of Cyborg gets way more screen time in the in the in the original cut of the movie. Mm -hmm. And Joss Whedon, when he came in and did his reshoots for the movie, cut out almost all of Ray Fisher's storyline. Now Ray Fisher said it was because of prejudice and blah blah blah. What they don't realize is that they he also cut out almost all of Ezra Miller's part two like all those parts were, were cut down really heavily but Joss Whedon is kind of the definition of like pop culture icon fallen from grace right now mm -hmm. like I feel, almost feel like I almost ditched this topic today because I'm seeing like 9,000 articles come out and it, he brought it on himself with his behavior but at the same time it's like there's no one that's innocent in these uh 
in these discussions. So, mm-hmm. after years of allegations being hurled at writer director Joss Whedon for such despicable acts as sexual abuse, on set racism, the cabin in the woods Helmer took it upon himself to sit down for a multi day interview where he addresses, amongst all the charges levied against him by his ex wife and former cast members, the interviewer opens up difficult interrogations regarding his alleged abuse of Buffy the Co- Vampire Slayer co star uh, Charisma Carpenter, his verbal abuse of female writers. Uh, Again, his verbal abuse of all writers, but they have to, you know, God, you know, God forbid you don't turn it into some form of some form of intersection intersectionalism, um, and admitted affairs that he had with fans and journalists. But it's the passages regarding his controversial stint at Warner Brothers Justice League where the focus uh, that were the focus of the article. Uh, we advise you to read the article and to go and read the article in full. Uh, by, the, uh, by the time the, of the interview in the New York Magazine via Apple News shifts to Justice League, Joss Whedon describes his decision to try and fix, quote-unquote, fix Zack Snyder's cut of the movie for Warner Brothers as being one of his biggest regrets. The article rehashes ex- explanations for the, con- for the discontent on set that have been shared by DC and Zack Snyder fans for years. So they hated the fact that he turned a, a dark, broody, uh, very self-important uh, movie into a campy mess. But to be fair... That was what Warner Brothers asked of him, was to mm-hmm. turn it into a, a, fu- a more fun movie. To everyone's understanding, it, it failed horribly, yep. but that's what they wanted. Um, the Snyder Cut encouraged improvisation on, uh, from his... Oh, let's go back here. It says, mm-hmm. uh, the article rehashes explanations for the discontent on set that have been shared by DC and Zack Snyder fans for years. That Snyder encouraged improvisation in his, a- uh, in his actors... Uh, well, Whedon expected them to adhere to the script, read the lines word for word. Uh, that Gal Gadot pushed back against Whedon's writing and the director insulted her. A crew member recalling uh, their time on set claims that Whedon said he'd never worked with a ruder group of people than the Justice League cast. And in trying to clarify his discontent with Godot, or with Gadot, I still screw that up, Whedon told New York Magazine, English is not her first language, and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff. Just not. Just don't <laughs> talk, man. Just shut up. There's you. How does that even come out of your mouth? And you don't think what you're about to say is going to is going to be taken. Sometimes this, you just don't think. No, but this this guy. This is like a key example. <clears throat> I would think if you were prosecuting him as being a bad director. Yeah. This is exhibit one. He's not a good communicator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, you. That that is key. Like okay. Tarantino has said, this is one of the most brilliant insights into really good filmmaking. And I hold mm-hmm. him to be a very a master filmmaker. He was just like, your job as a director is very. It's simple, but it's mm-hmm. really complex. You have to convey this entire movie to everyone from the star yeah. to the gaffer. Like yeah, you have to be able sure. to communicate with every single person in a way that so they can understand mm-hmm. it. Communication is your number one most essential skill. That's it. That's all you have to do. And yep. this guy's screwing it up. Uh, Gal Gadot responded by telling New York Magazine she understood perfectly <laughs> everything the director was trying to convey. She's extremely eloquent in her speech. Just because yeah. what he mean, literally what he means is she has an accent. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God. Like, uh, eventually, the interviewer turns to the accusations leveled against Whedon by Justice League co star Ray Fisher, who said that the director abused his power while on set, uh, while on set of the reshoots and was enabled by Warner Brothers executives calling out Jeff Johns and John Berg. Whedon doesn't address those accusations directly, though he 
excuse me, though he does offer his explanation as to why Fisher's performance as Cyborg, which Zack Snyder famously referred to as the heart of the movie, uh, was cut out of the 2017 theatrical release of Justice League. Whedon says the article that Cyborg's storyline logically made no sense and allegedly re, uh, called Fisher's acting bad. He claims to have been had a friendly conversation with Fisher about the changes he wanted to make and says that none of Fisher's claims to the media have been either true or merited discussing. In conclusion, Whedon told New York Magazine, we're talking about a malevolent force. We're talking about a bad actor in both senses. I will say that I didn't find uh, Fisher's performance all that awful, uh, but nor all that compelling. Uh, I think that he carried the material very well in the Justice Le- in the in the Snyder Cut. Yeah. But it <clears throat> was like one of those things where he, as much as I, I don't, I still think he, uh, Fisher was. Uh, he's kind of made himself persona non grata by airing this stuff in public. Yeah. Uh, meaning that you know they're not going to want to work with you again if you get if you if every time you have a line cut from a movie you're going to claim that it's because something happened to you or because they're they're all out to get you like people are just not going to want to hire you anymore and he hasn't done anything mm-hmm. uh, to my knowledge since then he, I think he was a stage actor before he did that mm-hmm. this movie so New York Magazine magazine claims to read claims to have reached out for Fisher multiple times with interview requests, but the actor did not respond. Snyder fans already are taking to social media to defend Fisher and declare Whedon done. I would say that both of them come off looking awful uh, in this with, uh, first of all, the, the claims, uh, what was the one quote that I read about, uh, about Whedon where he says, I had to sleep with these women because... Uh, they were the type of the women that I uh, dreamt of uh, of sleeping with growing up, and they never would have given me a second look. So I felt if I didn't now, I would always regret it. I was like, why are you still talking? <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong, but why are you still talking? You're not right. helping yourself, dude. Right. Like, in this article, this article lives up to its name. It's from Vulture, mm-hmm. and it says the undoing of Joss Whedon. Like, they were soon joined by, so we're going we're gonna to skip down. They, they go through about this. He was the pop culture icon. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a staple of nerd geek culture, of mm-hmm. sci-fi. Uh, he directed the event, a little thing known as the Avengers. So he's the guy you went to. But his fall from grace echoes kind of that of Brian Singer, mm. who's like untouchable right now because of his own problems mm-hmm. for very, you know, similar but very different reasons. Uh, it wasn't just scholars who worshipped him and the, they're talking about him now. It says, uh, Whedon has not simply composed a narrative about a struggle against forces of darkness, vampires, uh, monsters, demons of all varieties. He has taken a stand against a panoply of oppressive social forces, mostly, most obviously the forces of gender stereotyping. According to the prevailing rules of Hollywood horror at the time, Whedon's protagonist, a hot blonde with a dumb name, should have died within the opening scene. But Whedon had flipped the genre on its head and endowed her with superhuman powers in a hero's journey. That's true. Uh, I would argue that when did Buffy the Vampire Slayer come out? Like the the late 90s, uh, I think mm-hmm. 97 I think so. or 98. Yeah. The Scream movies came out at that same time, which had a female lead. We had a Halloween before that. Um, I guess you could say in sci-fi, maybe it was less common. But uh, uh, this this uh, rewriting of history that there was no like strong female characters is uh, inaccurate, to say the least. That is BS because mm-hmm. remember Aliens? Yep. Yep, uh, Ridley, uh, mm-hmm. Ripley. Ripley, uh, Ridley she was Scott, a Ripley. strong <laughs> female mm-hmm. character um, that everybody looked up to. And TV did it well before movies made it more common. I mean, yep. there's been strong, like, it's almost for, like, uh, I expect a show, like, if it's a co- it's like a police show and it's a woman and a guy, the guy is almost not the cop and the woman is almost always the cop in these situations yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Castle, et cetera. Uh, not that Nathan Fillion is very 
uh, frightening looking. He, mm-hmm. he, I wouldn't be very scared of him. Hmm. So it says, it wasn't just scholars who worshipped him in those days. He was a celebrity showrunner before anyone cared who ran shows. That's true. That's like a thing now. Like mm-hmm. It's a thing to be known as a showrunner. Hmm. Back then, that wasn't really him and uh, uh, who's not, not him. Who did, yeah, he did Dollhouse. So yeah, so he's, he's kind of that original famous showrunner for television shows. Uh, I remember when James Cameron did his one foray into television, he did Dark Angel. They made a big deal about him being showrunner. Yeah. Mm. So it said, uh, in 2005, the comic book artist Scott, uh, Scott R. Kurtz designed a t-shirt that je- gestured at Whedon's stature in popular culture at the time. It said, Joss Whedon is my master now. Marvel later put him in charge of their biggest franchise, The Avengers, and its sequel, Age of Ultron. One out of two ain't bad. His fans thought of him as a feminist ally. That's been the like long-standing belief, right? That he was a feminist ally. Mm-hmm. Never trust a male feminist, dude. No, no. It sounds greasy. Never trust a male feminist. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I told you one of my favorite um, YouTube cooks was a proclaimed feminist male feminist. You're like, run. Just run. run. Yeah. Run the other way. Yeah, that's an yep. easy run. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, she, let's see, go down here a little bit further. In 2017, his ex-wife, Kai Cole, published a sensational open letter about him in the movie blog, The Rap, echoing, remember, Amber Heard did the same thing about Johnny Depp. Uh, she condemned his, him as a hypocrite preaching feminist ideals and accused him of cheating on her throughout their marriage, including, the actresses, in, including with actresses on the set of Buffy. Then, beginning in the summer of 2020, their actors Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot, who starred in the superhero film directed by Whedon, claimed he'd mistreated them, with Fisher describing his behavior as gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. They were soon joined by Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia on Buffy and its spinoff Angel. In, the lo- in a long Twitter post, she wrote that Whedon had a history of being casually cruel. After she became pregnant, heading into Angel's fourth season, he called her fat to call... I'm sorry. I'm just picturing this dude who looks like a lump of coal calling yeah. somebody else fat. Yeah, that is. So I'm not... This is not an insult to you, Miss Carpenter. I am literally... I, I'm laughing at the idea of him. It'd be like me calling somebody else short. Like, good one, short stack. Uh, uh, and summoned her to his office to ask if she recalled if she was, quote, going to keep it. Oof. Can you imagine saying something like that in, like, the early 2000s and believing that you're a feminist ally? Was he Ugh. just joking? I, have, I hope so. I mean, he's probably just joking so. for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean... And that's this all comes off the rails when you think about all of these people have their own interests. All of these people, you know, they love to, cynically speaking, want to get on the bandwagon whenever this stuff happens because it raises their profile. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately what we learn from this is no one comes out ahead. No, who, right. the only people that succeed or the only people that really win from this, Vulture. Mm-hmm. So, or, mm-hmm. or us in a lot of ways talking about sure. this stuff I don't feel good about saying that like, uh, like it's fascinating but they lose uh, you know he keeps working maybe he's got more than enough money never has to work again a day in his life yeah. but you know his kids are going to read these articles down the line he's got kids his, you know, his family's going to never going to be able to escape this mm-hmm. he's going to have to have uh, a justification and explanation for every single one of these claims for the rest of his life and he's gonna have to have them memorized so well it comes off like he's like a a machine Mm -hmm. right so it's like uh, to me i always say like this is what you get for your hypocrisy like for claiming that you're this when you're really not that person Mm -hmm. but 
it doesn't make it any better to experience. You know, what is that? What part of this did you get through these articles after I sent them to you? I did. Yeah. I mean, it, what part did you uh, stuck out to you the most? <laughs> well, the, the crack about <laughs> against the actress that was that was pregnant was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I mean, he's. It's just like a classic example of somebody that can't communicate very well, and mm-hmm. it's also a matter of show, don't tell. Like, don't tell me you're a feminist. You know, like, don't don't tell me what you are. It's, like, it, it, what you are will come out via your behavior if yep. you're authentic, you know? So then the question is, uh, was he heralded as this first because of his creation of Buffy? And he's like, yeah, I am a feminist. Yeah, that sounds I? about right. The, the, yeah. like, he kind of started like, I am pretty awesome with women, aren't I? He <laughs> yeah. never actually changed his behavior, but yeah. the bird's eye view of like his creation afforded him this perspe- uh, people this perspective of him that didn't line up with reality, and he just kind of never got the memo that he wasn't. He's like, maybe I should. Act- am I actually a feminist? Mm, not really. Mm-hmm. I'm like from the Hollywood Old Boys Club. Sounds wanna, good, though. I want to have sex with all my actresses. There ain't nothing wrong with that. If it's consensual, go, go with God, my friend. But don't <laughs> claim that you're uh, some type of ally to these movements that, by their very nature, eat their own mm-hmm. at a moment's notice. Right. Right. Yeah. Would you work for Joss Whedon? Not really. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to go in 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 audition for a role. No, I'm I'm good. No, no, <laughs> I'm good. No casting couch. No, uh, we're not doing that yet. <laughs> not at all. We're not doing that at all. So, uh, but it's like not at all. Not at all. Um, no, like stay I, away from the white van. If you guys, if you guys just can take a look at how long this article oh, is, yeah. I'm scrolling through. Mm-hmm. It's, it's enormous. Insane. I don't want to go through I, through all of it uh, because it, it becomes like this long retrospective about his career that just basically pulls his career apart. It was the, this was the other part I wanted to get into the Michelle Trachtenberg stuff. Yeah. Um, basically, she, he was not like allowed alone in a room with her. Um, there were alleged incidences two Buffy the Vampire Slayer actresses wrote about on social media last year. Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Buffy's younger sister, claimed that he had been uh, there had been a rule forbidding Whedon from being alone in a room with her on set. Whedon told me he had no idea what she was talking about, and Trachtenberg didn't want to elaborate. One person who worked closely with her on Buffy told me an informal rule did exist, though it was possible Whedon was not aware of it. That's even worse. Mm-hmm. During the seventh season, when Trachtenberg was 16, Whedon called her into his office for a closed-door meeting. The person does not know what happened, but recalled Trachtenberg was shaken afterwards. An adult Trachtenberg circle uh, created the rule in response. Uh, an adult in her circle created the rule in response. Now, that's there. this article's framing that as if he did something truly... Ill. He could have yelled at her. And right. been like, you're not... Uh, you're, you're missing your mark. You're not doing this. So I will call issue with these magazines for sensationalizing a lot of this mm-hmm. i like the 180 uh, like the the overarching view of all this is just a guy who uh be, due to ray fisher's constant uh pushback this year it all came tumbling down at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of insane uh, the story about Whedon's conflict with Carpenter is less obscure. The actress has been talking about it with fans and reporters for more than a decade so wow. how does this stuff just slip by yeah. Right? Do we just ignore what we want to like? Like Eminem, do, do, does this thing? Do you just we ignore it for now, and then one day they decide finally it's time to enact cancellation. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. By her own account, she suffered from extreme anxiety and struggled to hit her marks and memorize lines. Whedon, obsessed with word-perfect dialogue, which we learned about earlier, about the stuff with Justice League, was not always patient. After she moved on over to Angel, she got a tattoo of a rosary on her wrist, even though her character was working for a vampire, a creature repelled by crosses. Another time, she chopped off her long hair in the middle of filming in an episode. Okay, that's yeah. her bad. That's, yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... In her Twitter post, we have to hold everybody accountable for their own actions here, right? right? right. You need to know that if you're literally filming something where they're going to have to produce a wig for you uh, or come up with a... You're making other people's lives more difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she pulled a screw you against the the crew. But it it hurts everyone, not just him, Mm -hmm. right? So in her Twitter post, Carpenter seemed to blame Whedon for her performance problems. She wrote that his cruelty intensified her anxiety. She got the tattoo she explained to help her feel spiritually grounded in a volatile work environment. I mean, that's not hard to believe. Mm -hmm. Some actors might be spurred on by that type like they rise to the occasion in a way where they're being yelled at and they want to hit their mark to prove them wrong mm-hmm. whereas other actors may need to be coaxed into a performance and to get the but it's the director's job to know which one of those communicative elements to pro- to produce for that person yeah. it can't be a one size fits all uh, solution because all your actors are different people with different personalities and approaches to the profession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe so, directors, how to talk to your student—not students, your <laughs> um, your actors, one on one class. Yeah. Maybe. Well, uh, I'm just saying, but it, it <coughs> speaks to like he's a director. That should be part of his job to know how to do that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So Whedon acknowledged she was not as civilized back then. I was young, he said. I yelled, and sometimes you had to yell. That's not hard to believe either. Of course. There was a young cast, and it was easy for everything to turn into a cocktail party. <laughs> I am sure plenty of these directors who work with like younger, like I'm sure all of the air over, uh, all of the CW directors have aged like a thousand years from having <laughs> yeah. to work with mm-hmm. uh, much younger people. Yeah. If I was upsetting somebody, <coughs> it will be a problem for me. The costume designer who, ha- who said he grabbed her arm, I don't believe that, he said shaking his head I know I would get very I would get angry but I was never physical with anyone he had he had made out with an actress on the floor of someone's office that seems false I don't understand that story even a little bit it's, it's kind of <laughs> like when you're on the floor of Congress and you're like to the best of my knowledge I don't have any recollection right, of that right. uh, <laughs> uh, he removed his glasses and rubbed his face I should I should run to the loo <laughs> when he came back okay so he probably goes in there to cry. And <laughs> poor guy. Pull himself together. I, I almost feel bad for him. Like, it, it, as much as, like, his own behavior has brought him out to roost, I can still feel bad for all of this happening at once. Like, everybody just dumping on him at the same time. He said uh, he had some regrets with how he spoke to Carpenter after learning she was pregnant. I was not mannerly. He does have an annoying speech pattern, does he not? Mm -hmm. He said, still, he was bewildered by her account of their relationship. Most of my experiences with charisma were delightful and charming. She struggled sometimes with her lines, but nobody could hit a punchline harder than her. He, I asked her if he had called her fat when she was pregnant. He says, I did not call her fat, he quickly replied. Of course I didn't. This is literally one of those things where it's like, in 10 years, me and you are not going to like, we may look at our interactions compl- with one another completely differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your future, your, your, your past experiences end up being shaped by how your feelings about a person change, yeah. by experiences in the future. And in the age of uh, Me Too, mm-hmm. that is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to recall what happened differently ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, oh, I, 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 uh, I, re- I, re- I, re- 
I repel my consent. I, I, uh, uh-huh, I, re- uh-huh. I retract my consent. Yep. Is a thing. I gave him body language mid-action, and he <laughs> didn't read my body language. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the problem, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all... It, I Like, it just... All of these articles, stuff like this, make me just dread having to interact with anybody. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, we, if you get famous, you're like, F, now I got to worry about who the hell I interacted with mm-hmm. 10 years ago, because they're going to come for their bit of clout chasing. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that he wasn't a douche. Like, I'm not defending this dude. I think they're all uh, clout chasing, and I think it's all character assassination character assassination for the betterment of one career. I don't buy that any of these people are, vir- uh, are virtuous mm-hmm. or have a uh, strong moral standing. I think they had careers they wanted to further. They had things they wanted to accomplish, and they were willing to suffer indignities in, at of varying levels to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And now they're right. looking back on it with regret and wanting <coughs> to play the blame game. Yeah. Even being aware of all this stuff that happened behind the scenes, I mean, it doesn't really hit the board that much for me. It's like I, I don't respond to his work as a director or writer. I can see so, you not. I, I can see you not responding to him. Yeah, because but I'll watch Polanski all the time. I don't care. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, doesn't so, matter to me. Like I like I respond to the work, and that's that's what it really comes down to yeah, for me. Yeah, for sure. One of the miracle knows that one of my biggest pet peeves is um, I tend to say I'm like almost all writing today feels like yeah I was like why does every character sound like they were written like it's a Joss Whedon character (laughs) they all have the same cutesy dialogue Mm. it's all the same pop culture references it's all uh, the same type of humor and the same type of like young adults trapped in adolescence Mm -hmm. it's like talking on Twitter like people who talk on Twitter don't talk as if they're on Twitter. They talk as if they're Joss Whedon characters or if they're, as if they're delivering some big zinger one-liner that came yep. out of a movie. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like I hate that, uh, that what that part of his contribution to society, but not wait. his fault. That was his style, but I hate right. how popular, mm-hmm. but it, it really got. caught on. Exactly. <laughs> right. So. But wait, there's going to be more soon in the future. So you just wait. You'll never get away from it. That style is going to mm-hmm. live on until uh, maybe one day, like Christopher Nolan writing will be more uh, passe uh, mm-hmm. or will be passe. But mm-hmm. uh, until then, I, I don't really know. Uh, as, as long as pop culture is as disposable as it is, I feel like that style of writing will, will stay yeah, relevant. Yeah, for sure. So let's do Podluck. Yay. Let's All do right. Podluck. Uh, Mike Tyson denies fights with... J- uh, <laughs> Jake denies Paul. Jake Paul fight talks new to me uh, I would love to see this oh totally oh, I, w- I would love to see uh, anything with Tyson I'm in for now especially good with the way that dude's turned his life around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can you uh, do can you read the whole thing in his famous I'm, list I'm not going to do it in his lisp <laughs> uh, I just you, love him and his pet pigeons like that's the whole wholesome thing and that he runs I love. like a weed farm yeah. yeah I don't know it's just who would win uh, Mike Tyson, of the, course. The okay. pigeons got the pigeons got the speed. Tyson, <laughs> Tyson doesn't really have the reach. Uh, Paul's got the reach, I think, in this bat, but in this battle anyway. So I, th- I think it's Paul. No, it's the pigeon, then Tyson, then Paul, in that order. Fair enough. If it was yeah. a, if it was a triple threat boxing match, which <laughs> I don't think is a thing, but come on, it could be. It could be. That'd be really entertaining to see all Mike Tyson's like pigeons attack. Jake Paul. There's a there's a meme of Mike Tyson like writing like a like a, something on someone's head and he writes it with a lisp. Like, <laughs> like he like he, he wrote stupid on someone's forehead and says stupid. That's awesome. Tyson's the man. Yeah. Like yeah. This is Mike Tyson versus Jake Paul in a boxing ring. Well, despite a report that me, that the men were deep in ne- negotiations to fight, Iron Mike says it's flat out ain't true. The 55 year old former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world took to his Twitter page to shoot down the news. This is news to me. I just saw Jake and St. Barth's. Is that an actual place? Is yeah. it St. Bart's? I think it, I think it's Barth's. Okay. 
Unless he's I said really with, just. I said it with Tyson's lips. <laughs> I, I got you. Yep. And he never mentioned it. Tyson wrote a, so he saw that Jake and St. Barth's and never <laughs> mentioned it. Uh, he says, Mike was responding to a story published in The Sun on Monday where the outlet said Mike and Jake were in advanced talks for a $49 million boxing match. You couldn't pay me $49 million to bike. Yeah, you mm-hmm. probably could. Take, maybe if I could just let him knock me out with one punch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long or as he bite your ear as long a as little he bit. Yeah, as long, or, yeah, he could bite my bad ear, the one that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. He could bite my deaf ear. I wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> Tyson and Paul do know each other. In fact, Jake became a boxing star on the undercard of an Iron Mike fight when the heavyweight stepped in and fought Roy Jones Jr. in November of 2020. Uh, it's so funny how these like boxing has basically become professional wrestling. Mm. Uh, it's all about promotion and build up now, and it's got very little to do with the actual fight. And they're most of them aren't even fu- just like uh, uh, like Jake Paul is not a real boxer, mm-hmm. uh, and they say professional wrestlers aren't real wrestlers or aren't real athletes. Uh, that's what it's become now because people are more interested in the build up and the in the drama than they are in the actual fight. Yeah. But what's but what's missing in this hypothetical fight is authentic wrestler outfits. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they both need to have those if this actually happened. Whenever they have the the debates about why women wear such uh, un like uh, they're like women shouldn't dress like that when they're superheroes. <laughs> it's, it's it's not tactical. I'm like. Uh, professional wrestling women dress exactly like that yeah. all the time yep. and it works perfectly so yep. I want to hear it <laughs> and the men do too so exactly. if, if I have to look at a bunch of superheroes men with their shirts off all the time then the women should also look uh, equally as objectified equal Brett rights is, it's only fair yeah Brett is all about free the nipple movement <laughs> That's not what I said at all. But okay, <laughs> that's what translated in my head. My bad, because I heard shirtless and I was like, "Oh, women." Uh, yeah. Well, no, they make the joke about uh, in comics. It's the joke about the boob window, where the the mm. top like l- like it's literally designed to reveal cleavage. It's like yeah. that's exactly how professional wrestling women dress. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's, it's literally it's part of the it's part of the culture. It's part of the, nobody wants to go watch. It's so weird how in the society we live in now we've become weirdly conservative, but for different reasons. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. you were conservative and puritanical for religious reasons now you're conservative and puritanical to prevent men from enjoying anything hmm. <laughs> well, that's what, well, they, they don't care that women dress like that they care that men like that women dress like that right right so that's, that's what they take bro. issue with so so i want to see tyson and jake paul fighting with long t-shirts on i don't want to see any yeah so <laughs> Ooh, they should fight in like kilts that'd be cool I want one of them to be dressed like Ultimate Warrior. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Run down to the ring with, yeah. with the tassels on his arm. His wife is still awesome. alive. His wife is still alive. She could do the announcing. There you oh, go. God. I like it. Uh, it would be funny because Mike Tyson can knock him out in one punch. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, so I mean, cool. didn't they find out that the in the, the Mayweather flight that it was an exhibition and that there was never actually going to be a, like... Then that sucks. Yep, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, what what can you do? So, I love Mike Tyson though because he's turned his life around in such a unique way. Mm-hmm. Like he's turned himself into he took that big personality and he's another one with a whole crap ton of baggage. Oh yeah, yeah. like he's just waiting to get like uncancelable. Uh, I don't think you can cancel Mike Tyson at there, this there's point. There's a lot of those people where I'm just like with the stuff they've said in the past. I'm always surprised that it's just just like uh, that it's just left alone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and some people are just you know. If they own it, 
then they own it. You know, I made mm-hmm. mistakes in my past, but the problem is too many people try to apologize and pretend like they've suddenly changed a ton, uh, but they pretend like what they did before, like they knew it was wrong back then. They mm-hmm. didn't think it was wrong back then. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. it was uh, reflecting on my past behavior. Nobody actually talks like that. But these people that I, I would argue are uncancelable, they really made their names and they, they established mm-hmm. themselves in the empire era. Yeah. You know? Yep. And then, like, are you familiar with the Expl- Empire? Explain that. Okay. You're not talking, like, Empire Records, right? No, no. Like, no. there's some some people, and again, I, I hate to name drop him again, but Brett Easton Ellis, he, yeah. he came out with this, this term, this distinction, is that uh, prior to 9-11, it was the Empire era. Okay. You know? And then after 9-11 happened, it was post-Empire. And the first person that went full-blown post-Empire was Charlie Sheen. Arguably, mm-hmm. it was Britney Spears. You know, all of a sudden, you had people that were just Celebrity totally train wrecks. Yeah, bucking that, the establishment. Yeah, but but prior to that, I mean, people like Mel Gibson, people like Mike Tyson, they established themselves in the Empire era. So now they don't really they don't really feel the need to. Um, uh, apologize for mm-hmm. the, the for the figures that they established yeah. before everything went into the post empire era. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's interesting to think about the celebrities. I think about this all the time. And like, oh, is this celebrity empire or post empire? Like mm-hmm. Kanye, like post post empire. You know, yeah. I mean, like completely. Kanye almost runs with the same aesthetic though, right? Like he's very unapologetic about his behavior. Right. Well, he, I mean, I guess he didn't establish himself uh, in the empire era. No. I guess he's post empire <laughs> all the way. Uh, what is it? The uh, college college dropout came out in what two thousand and two, three, two, yeah. Two. So, that's right. But he didn't really. I mean, his fame. He's come in waves, right? So he had his yeah. first uh, avant garde music that rose him to prominence. Mm-hmm. Then his musical career. Uh, there's the there's the mythical story about how Jay Z didn't want him to right. perform, right? So he he established. I always enjoyed the fact that he didn't make uh, establishment music and still got on the radio. Mm-hmm. That's true power. I, totally. As an artist, uh, and then he becomes more uh, more well known uh, as the husband of of Kim Kardashian, mm-hmm. and then he becomes a preacher. He's been he's reincarnated nine times, and you know to his own benefit, totally. uh, he knows how to reinvent himself. Kind of like Dr. Dre with Beats headphones. Like mm-hmm. he's more known now for that than he is for uh, his music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like it's uh, uh, so. Does that make what somebody like Jake Paul is he like this? Era's edition, like version of that, meaning that they're social media darlings that are kind of, uh, they're both extremely well branded, but they're also known for being uh, less than wholesome all the time, I guess. No, that's more like his brother. Yeah. His brother Mm. Logan is more like that. Yeah. Mm. Jake Mm. Paul, a lot of people do want to punch him in the face. Yep. So you make a career on Mm -hmm. people not liking you. Yeah. Yep. That's Jake. But then Logan, he actually turned his whole career around after the whole. Suicide forest incident. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to talk Miss Marvel for a second. Uh, I say Mike Tyson first. Fight him. Fight him. Let's get that book about going and have him talk in his signature lisp. Yes, please. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> so Miss Marvel is in trouble. Oh man. Uh, nobody wants to see <coughs> this. Uh, this show. Um, or is it? It's a movie. Yeah, it's a. It's no, a, I thought it was a limited series. A limited. It's a six. Ep- I, I was surprised it was only six episodes. Mm-hmm. While most of them, oh no, Haw- Hawkeye was six episodes as well. Yeah. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. about that's on par. Nobody cares about Miss Marvel. Um, Kamala, Khan, the character of Kamala Khan, uh, at all. Well, they did come out with a cartoon series where she was with Spider Man. She was kind of cool. Had Spider Man in it, so that doesn't count. It's well, like, it's, it also had uh, Squirrel Girl in it. And nobody gives a crap about Squirrel Girl either. Well, okay. <laughs> Come on, it's a girl with rodents. 
It's not Why rat would girl. No, uh, rat, just because James Gunn was able to pull off Rat Catcher 2 in the Suicide Squad does not mean that those are always going to translate to... You know, this is like new, all new, all uh, all new Marvel. This is a, mm-hmm. a horrible era as far as comics go. That's um, true. But come on, she's the first like um, real Eastern uh, Muslim mm-hmm. uh, Muslim uh, superhero. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to be full of identity politics. It's mm-hmm. going to be full of virtue signaling. Speaking about identity politics, I was doing more research on this character. There's a famous quote from her that says. Sometimes I think being a superhero is the only thing I'm good at. In America, I'm Pakistanian. In Pakistan, I'm American. That's the only famous mm. quote from her. Yep. And I'm like, really? She's more known for having a really awful set of powers <laughs> where her, her, she can stretch like... It, Nobody wants to see your hand grow three times normal size and punch somebody in the face. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty weird. It's just not aesthetic. Now, give me a, what was the, not Gumby, but the Stretch Armstrong yeah. show. Yeah. I will take a Stretch Armstrong show. <laughs> if yeah. you want to make it stretch uh, uh, Michelle Strong and make it a, about a woman, fine. Mm-hmm. But I want to see a Stretch Armstrong show. Starring oh, Chris on. Pratt. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Chris Pratt will do it. But also... We still need to watch that terrible Beanie Baby movie. It's out on HBO Max now. Oh, it's already out. Yeah, it's called Beanie Madness, I think, or something. Oh along no, that's the, lines. the documentary. Ah, that's the documentary. Ah. That's not the Elizabeth Banks one. No, Come we, on. we're not watching the Elizabeth Banks one. Why? I mean, she's not getting a dime of my money. Oh. Uh, uh, according to the uh, to the direct, the reshoots will be significant and may suggest that there's trouble with the project. Reshoots are a common practice in these industries. What's mm-hmm. less common is how late after original uh, shot, like uh, production finished, uh, how late after, and the addition of a new actor mm-hmm. into that, which means like mm-hmm. they got to they were deep, deep, deep into the editing process and were like. This doesn't work. And yes, yeah, hard to do when you have a young actress. She could look very different now than she right. looked a year ago. Yeah. Right? So it says Liza, Lizzie Hill of the Cosmic Circus confirmed the report saying that the reshoots were definitely substantial. The series said the premiere some to, was set to premiere sometime in 2022, is set to debut the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel character for Marvel Comics. Controversy has followed the show for some time now. Fans' uproar over the series began after a report from the movie insider Daniel Rickman uh, indicating Kamala Khan's powers would undergo a dramatic overhaul for her cinematic debut. Mm-hmm. They want to make it more palatable uh, for, for audiences. I understand mm-hmm. that. Like, I, I don't think the... Uh, the character really works and, and it just it reeks of them wanting to like shoehorn in all of mm-hmm. these characters that there really isn't a a desire for it I'd again yeah. mm-hmm. bring bring Maria Hill in for a show uh, before you bring in before you do Kamala Khan yeah that's true well also wouldn't this be if they release the show wouldn't it have a lot of backlash with the Muslim community possible I, I mean because like she's not wearing a hijab Likely what will happen <laughs> She's is not wearing it And like That's a big no-no I know like um, Young Justice Like with their character Halo That was kind of iffy Because there was a scene Where She's supposed to take off Her hijab But luckily There was no other men Yeah And she doesn't remember mm. What her culture is Because the mother bot Invaded her body So she basically Has oh. a new personality That's why her name is Halo Because of the mother bot But basically The lady was like Don't worry There's no men I can help you clean your hair yeah. So So it was kind of like that, but is this show going to be the same thing where like she she's wearing that helmet like you can see on screen? If you, she's wearing the helmet because a guy uh, is not supposed to see her hair. I'm sorry that costume is awful. It is. Mm-hmm. It's it's truly It looks like cardboard. We talked about we talked about the Batgirl <laughs> costume yesterday and I thought that was bad. I was ro- I'm sorry. Like <laughs> higher 
There are like there's a website that uh where fan where I've been getting some articles from. They have a whole section dedicated to like really talented cosplayers who have a quarter of the money and way <coughs> more talent to mm-hmm. yeah. de- to design like accurate costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh it, I've seen some of their like creativity. It's so beautifully done. Like some of them actually do make it out of cardboard and make it look nice this legit looks like cardboard where you get it from the cereal box and like cut it out and go like this is my helmet now she kind of looks like she's wearing a motorcycle jacket and ran through a construction site on a motorcycle with red paint (laughs) everywhere there's no excuse for such a crummy costume at this point Mm -hmm. not from a disney production that has uh more than enough resources to cover this wait wait what if that's not the costume maybe it might be different well, we'll see when it comes. So it says, instead of the traditional Mr. Fantastic-esque stretching powers, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Miss Marvel will have the ability to create constructs from light, uh, much like DC's Green Lantern character. That's kind of cool. Like, uh, I have a feeling like a lot of the elements that we're going to hate, right, mm-hmm. uh, that I would have hated, will be filtered out and it will be made as bland and palatable <laughs> right. as, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so we, we always complain, and I admit that I fall into this trap where I complain because I like to complain, but but I know mm-hmm. that it's going to be doubly sanitized by the time it comes out. Yeah. It will be it will be very bland and digestible. It'll basically be the fast food of uh, of comic book productions. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, what what you notice uh, there was an Eric D. July video recently. He says there's just no passion in it anymore. Mm-hmm. There none of these people are passionate about these projects. They're passionate about the way that they can use these projects as vehicles to further their career. Mm-hmm. And I believe that 110. percent You can see it in, in the bland. Yeah. performances they don't care yeah they don't care about th- the reason people adore henry cavill as superman and in the witcher is because even when the script isn't necessarily great you can feel his passion for the source material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the way he does and, and granted he's also a fantastic actor right but you can feel the passion for the source material in his performance mm-hmm. and i i would argue that for a lot of these things you don't necessarily need an actor that's passionate about the source material but you need an actor that's passionate about getting it right mm-hmm they need to understand that uh, w- that what they're doing there, they're standing on the shoulders of giants. The reason that these properties have built up these IPs that are worth gazillions of dollars is based off fantastic writing and cultural relevance that spans lo- longer than we've ever been alive and longer than we ever will, than far, ba- far before we were born and long after we'll be dead. Mm-hmm. These characters will carry cultural significance. And what we need is actors and writers and producers that are willing to put that first if they actually want the audience to feel some type of emotional connection yeah. with this stuff. Right. So uh, th- that was a little soapboxy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so basically, the, they said the new actor uh, says, we got this covered and take everything from we got this covered with a grain of salt. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. uh, very hit or miss. Um, reported that the uh, that a new Pakistani actor Mawish Hayat uh, has been added to the series during reshoots. That's weird. Adding someone that late in the process is definitely not uh, not normal. It's like they found a story element that didn't make sense and then they had to add it mm-hmm. uh, in post. Yeah, they got to justify it after the fact. Yeah, ha- and, and normally you can get away with that stuff. Like like you can. N- leave stuff out and people will fill in the blanks but if it's that noticeable something bad Mm -hmm. happened in the script writing process so having first debuted in the comics in 2014 Khan has struggled to find an audience with multiple series being cancelled and rebooted that's par for the course for her Mm -hmm. stuff Uh, the new number one every so many months what it is the daughter of Pakistani immigrants living in Jersey City Khan is often praised as being one of the first prominent Muslim superheroes in 2013 the founder of uh, Muslima uh, Muslima Media Watch uh, Muslim uh, Musluma 
Media Watch once told the controversial Qatari-funded outlet Al Jazeera that Kamala normalizes the idea of American experience as a Muslim. That's fine. I mean, as long it's as it's fine. not all yeah. there is. Right. It can't just be that. The joke is like, why do characters like super, not joke, but the idea is like, why does Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man succeed? Not be a, because they're straight, white, and male, but because when you're straight, white, and male, you don't have any other thing to fall back on. Also, Th- they don't talk about like their religion too. Yeah. They don't go like, yeah, so Superman is very Catholic, and then they Batman about, is very Christian. They talk about Daredevil being Catholic. Yeah, but... It's fairly relevant to Daredevil. Hmm. Um, but how often? Do but, they shove it down your face? Exactly. It's, it's, it's played as a backdrop. It's not the most important aspect mm-hmm. of the character. So these characters succeed because it forces the writers to be creative with their stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get have a character that has, uh, you know, traits that put them somewhere on the progressive stack, these writers, it's, it's not a fault of the character. It's a fault of the writer not being able to find a more palatable way mm-hmm. to include it right. without making it the only aspect of the story that matters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, it's, it always comes off as performative. It always comes off as virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. And I don't really trust writers in 2022 to be able to unless they got like maybe the Dexter writers who seem to be able to do a fairly decent job in the new series of not making it like there's people that could do it but I don't necessarily believe that Marvel's hiring them for their TV shows their movies maybe right so I don't know know. the costume is awful just Mm -hmm. fix maybe if the reshoots were to fix the costume yeah uh, well also I think that might be the prototype costume because like you know how Miles Morales, like he didn't have the money, yeah. So he bought a Spider-Man costume, so it gets and better, it, and then it gets better because that's not her final costume. Okay, like in the comic books, she has her hair down, she only has the mask, and then she has like a suit that basically stretches out with her. Hmm. So in the end, well, we uh, we're gonna get her in the Marvel in the in the Marvels, right? The yeah. one with uh, Brie Larson because they're gonna mm-hmm. do Monica Rambeau, Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Um, I don't know. I forgot her name already. I, just yeah, I have no it's idea. Brie Larson. It's, uh, I, I always forget which Captain Marvel <coughs> she plays. Um, yeah, but um, um, are they going to bring back Marie Rambeau? Yeah. Because they, Marie, um, basically, she passed away in the WandaVision. Maybe that's something. Because I thought they were doing Monica Rambeau, uh, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and then um, and then Miss Marvel. Yeah, I think so because it's called Marvels. Yeah, instead yep. of uh, Captain Marvel too. Yeah, imagine being Brie Larson like you're sidelined in your own. It's kind of like Spider Man gets side gets sidelined in well, all his movies. Well, it's because she wants to act cocky. Yep. She's like this. This whole franchise wouldn't exist without me, and I'm like, really? She's like the most replaceable. I <laughs> I mean, no disrespect so replaceable. for Brie yeah. Larson is not. She's like like I said when we watched the Eternals, I said just make a whole movie about Angelina Jolie as mm-hmm. uh, as her character. She's got the charisma to carry. Definitely. Brie Larson is is not uh, is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect to them. That's just my assessment of her acting, not of her as a person. It is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, see, I'm, I'm horrible for podcasts because I don't, I, I don't deliver the, the rage bait. I always equivocate. I'm like, I don't mean anything bad by it. I'm just saying that... It's good to qualify. Yeah. Well, you know, because I, I don't like the idea of just being rude for the sake of being rude. I'm just saying my, that's my uh, personal opinion of, of, what, uh, of what's yeah. going on in these situations. So we'll see how this works out. I don't trust the, the Marvel... On one hand, I don't trust the Marvel writers to be able to do this character justice without making it all about the, those aspects. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I don't i also don't believe that marvel wants to uh make things that are all that over in, overly incendiary and it'll probably be very bland and boring mm. at the yeah. same time. so i mm-hmm. either way the actress loses like mm-hmm. either yeah. way the production loses so we will see 
And we've got one more thing to talk about, and that's right. Antonio Brown. Um, you fought, yeah, we, were you do any of the episodes we had when we talked about Antonio Brown when he like walked off the field? Uh, basically, shirtless. he he walked off that. the field shirtless. Yeah. Uh, well, he's been on like a worldwide tour right now. <laughs> uh, he wants to be a musician. He he's no longer a member of the Bucks and all that. Uh, and they found him like says Antonio Brown's very public uh, tour of the country following his infamous exit from the Buccaneers continued at Crypto Arena on Monday where he jumped on a railing to get love from the fans who were chanting his name. Mm -hmm. uh, the former uh, Tampa Bay star who's been spotted in New York City, Miami and now LA since being cut from the Bucks caused quite the scene outside of a Lakers game being mobbed by people who wanted autographs and pictures. Video obtained by C so then it goes people wanted his pick and signature so badly Brown stayed for several minutes and then he hopped on some skinny railing to entertain them. The fans chanted AB over and over again while he was standing on the fencing waving his arms. What's interesting is Brown claimed his ankle is completely jacked up but certainly looked like he was healing up well while his feet were balancing on the, on the barrier. Mm -hmm. So that was the whole reason. The whole thing was about him not being hurt when he was playing and that was why like he got into a, a disagreement with his coach right. about like they wanted him to play in the game he's like I can't play right now I'm hurt and he just seems very unhurt right now he's feeling better he's feeling better <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting I, I, I like the idea that they accidentally did a journalism yeah, um, yeah they're like maybe we found that he made that story up we don't know if that's true but maybe he did Brown just not shied away from the public uh, eye one bit uh, th since throwing his shirtless temper at, Met <laughs> at MetLife sta Stadium he wants to be a rapper I think he's gonna work with Kanye uh, he's been seen at NBA games repeatedly and has also been spot dining with Kanye West in recent days as well. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. He, I don't think he wants... I think he wants to become like the Jake Paul of football. He's just going to become like a, a social media guy and a musician. You know? Mm -hmm. So, I just thought that was interesting. I just wanted to fill that one in at the end. Of, <laughs> that TMZ did a journalism. Yeah. Hey, good TMZ for them. TMZ finally did through. a journalism. They did. They did. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Good uh, for them. Uh, I do want to know... Uh, of all the stuff we covered, which one was probably the most interesting to you? I really got into the Fresh Prince one. I mean, I, I mean, it's I, the I stuff it. that jumped out at me immediately. It's, it's Eminem and it's Fresh Prince. I mean, and I like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I really got triggered by that guy's article. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. And then for me, it was the it was the Joss Whedon stuff, just because mm. he's been such a pop culture uh, mainstay for so long that it, it was like it's like a slow motion car wreck where you, you <laughs> want to look away but you can't. You yeah, know? Miracle. Uh, which one did you find the most interesting? Um, the Eminem one. Then. Uncle Phil and then Miss Marvel because I kind of want to see how they can do it because I feel like they're going to get a lot of backlash with the um, Muslim community because like it does like if you scroll down they do show where they're um, actually yeah. doing worship yeah I saw that and it's kind of accurate but not real like I feel like it's kind of accurate but also like you don't know because we're not a, poly uh, a part of that culture yeah but also I wish like they didn't really bring race and culture into it because we we didn't get paid like we don't pay you to lecture us about other cultures unless it's a net geo or mm -hmm. like the history channel plus they're superheroes just make mm -hmm. just make I it know. About i don't understand that yeah yeah why don't they just uh one <sighs> thing that uh, i was reading i was watching in a perch video recently it says why don't they just do bring back other genres mm -hmm. one of the reasons people hate this stuff is because it doesn't really fit within the genre yeah. bring back slice of life stories where yep. it's just about everyday happenings and going on and going on mm -hmm. don't just try to fit it as a vehicle for characters that really have nothing to do with this i don't need to see uh that's what a character that fights global or like mm -hmm. cosmic threats dealing with mainstay american social issues mm -hmm. so. well that's what youtube is doing so one of um i just recently got 
to like watching him his name is pablo from tokyo Mm -hmm. and he's a filipino american that moved all the way to japan he has a japanese wife there but he interviews like each people who work in japan like a slice of life of their whole living like he interviewed a guy who's like a garbage collector another guy who cleans all the one dollar lockers that you see on the streets cool so i feel like they are trying to do it but then it it gets political it's just not uh, it's just in a different medium than what we're we're watching so maybe it's our fault yeah it's your (laughs) fault millennial it's been our fault all along i'm just gonna call him a millennial go like that's your fault all right, well, Chris, hit him with your social media so they know where to find Yay. you. Chris Carr 17 on Twitter. That's where I'm at. And mm-hmm. why is it 17? Uh, because 17 is the only sum number of four consecutive primes. The only oh. the only prime number that's the sum of four consecutive primes, mm-hmm. two, three, five, and seven. So you're nice. Chris Prime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you got it. Miracle, go ahead. I don't have social media because it rots your brain. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, if you want to follow me and talk pop culture, I do it on my Instagram stories. Otherwise, I post mostly skating there. It is at Brett Dasovic mm-hmm. on Instagram. And then also, if you want to check out full episodes of the podcast, it is available on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. If you watch the videos on YouTube, there is a link in the description to every one of those videos that takes you to the Spotify playlist. And if you want to follow us on social media we are on twitter at pop culture underscore show and you can make uh, our friend dane happy by mm-hmm. following us on facebook and on tiktok at pop culture crisis we will be back with another episode tomorrow bye guys bye adios